This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Well, the first Monday is here. The Eagles with a win. How did it go down? It's the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's going on, everybody? We are live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games here at the Sportsbook at Ocean Casino Resort. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Pete Thompson rides shotgun on Mondays. Josh Henning produces today's show. And you out there, what it be, what it be, the Eagles win, but you know how it works in the NFL. You can't just win, PT. You've got to win aesthetically pleasing. You've got to win where it satisfies everybody's expectations. That's not the way I roll. But how did everybody feel about it? 38-35. The Eagles beat a very game Detroit Lions team. That's the word. 38-35, the Eagles survive, right, Mike? That's my word to start off today's show is they survive the Lions in a game that, you know, I think I predicted 28-13. I didn't think the Lions were going to be able to fight and rally, and, and that grit that we saw in the hard knocks is actually legit. They they did not give up. The Lions would not go away. When it got close there with about three minutes left, I got to admit, I was a little worried. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, um, there were so many things to, to variables in this game as to why I think it went the way that it did. Am I concerned? My level of concern would be two. That's uh, understandable out of you. Mine would be four because uh, I think that I tend to be a little bit more emotional and reactive rather than And I'm than surprised proactive. you're only at four. Well, you know what? I even tweeted this out this morning. I, I guess hanging around with you for all these years, being your partner on things all these years, your words are starting to finally seep into my consciousness. It is overreaction Monday, right? This is the first Monday after the first Sunday of the NFL, and this is where people, quite frankly, freak out. Sometimes it's justified. Hell, I'm talking to you, Dallas. Sometimes it's not justified, okay? And it's one week. That's a small sample size. So am I concerned? Yes, of course there's things What I'm are you concerned, concerned about. about? Let's let's get down to business here. 609-403-0973. We can't ever just be like, hey, the Eagles won. They scored 38 points. It sometimes looked effortlessly done on offense. A.J. Brown's the best weapon they've had since Terrell Owens. It's never those things with Eagles fans. It's always, (laughs) Well, they don't call it Megadelphia for a reason. I mean, it's one of those things that you're right. But Pete Thompson, we have an opportunity to mold and shape a new generation of Eagle fans. We don't have to be so negative. There's young people out there that don't have to have that. The Eagles won the game, and quite frankly, I thought offensively they got off to a slow start. They looked rusty. They looked like a team that hasn't played in the preseason, Mm -hmm. and they still scored the second-most points in the NFL. That was the point that I was going to make, is that this morning when, when people were trying to go back and say, like, hey, you know, the defense looks shaky, or hey, DeAndre Swift really gashed him. And, the, you know, I've got a couple areas that uh, that make my concern a four, and I just sort of hinted at both of them. One is the ability to stop the run, and the other is the ability to knock that quarterback on his rear end, yeah. and they did not do that, Mike Gill. They didn't. I would say this. My level of confidence, uh, excuse me, my level of 
concern. Concern. I gave you a two, and most of it stems from what I saw from the defense and John Gaddon yesterday. Look, I have been on record saying I give the guy the benefit of the doubt. They have new toys. I don't think he knew how to open the toys. I got he got the package. You know, you get that new toy, and then it's got all like the wrappings on it, and you got to get those little like uh, sandwich bag ties off the thing. And you're like, I just want to open the new I just toy. Play with this thing, like, come on, right? Mom, like, can I have some batteries? The kid hands it to you, like, hey, right. can you help me open this? And you're like, yeah, sure, kid. And then you're like, oh my god, this thing's pretty tough to open. Like, who packed this thing? I don't think John Gannon has a really good understanding of what he has right now. One. Two, John Gannon doesn't want to blitz. His defense is predicated on getting pressure with his front four, five, three, whatever he's, whatever his alignment is. Unfortunately, he's not getting it. And if you're not going to get it, that's when you have to do more. Did you see what Detroit did yesterday? They came after Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. They came after him. The Eagles basically... John Gannon is waiting and waiting and waiting for Josh Sweat to turn into Dexter Manley uh, for for wow, Brandon Graham. For the right? Best. Like I don't get how he doesn't see that he's just not getting the appropriate amount of pressure to say I got to do something else. That's one. Two. I would say that the run game, and I talked. My father was over yesterday with his friend Joe, who okay. says hello. Oh, nice. Hello. They all both said hello to the PT. Yep. Good guys. I said to my dad, I said, the Lions are going right at the Eagles over pursue in the middle of the defense. Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave are not good run defenders. They're both getting upfield, and the Lions were taking advantage of that and running right in the in the zero gap, right in the one, right in the three. Boom, they were hitting hard in the middle of that defensive front because the Eagles were over-pursuing. They were way too aggressive in the middle, and then, then they were taking advantage of it. And quite frankly, I think you got to give the Lions a little credit. They really designed, and they have a good offensive line. Their line whipped the Eagles up front uh, most of the day. Most of the day, their line won the battle. I would agree with that. And it's crazy because, you know, after the opening touchdown by the Lions, right, the Eagles defense actually forced three consecutive three and outs and then they went interception touchdown on the fourth series so to me that was like all right they're course correcting they're settling down things are fine and then as the game went on the lions continue to find that over pursuit continue to find the deandre swift was unbelievable jamal williams contributed as well and look that sends uh, you're asking my level of concern that sends lightning warning bells off like alert 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 trouble danger will robinson because that says to me if the lions and deandre swift and the lions with a banged up offensive line mind you if a banged up offensive line could generate a rushing attack where they get 181 yards on the ground that's what the lions finished with as a team if that team could get 181 what are the birds going to do when they face a team that really is known for being able to run the football? Well, I would say a couple of things. One, I was very disappointed in number of snaps that Jordan Davis got and how they used him. The Eagles allowed 2.9 yards per carry when Jordan Davis was on the field. When he was not on the field, it was 10 yards a carry. Well, then why is he on the field more? Why is it Jordan Davis, a guy you traded Which, up in the first round to go get? $1,000. And yeah, that's a great point. I don't understand. The team is running all over you in that spot, right up the middle. Why don't you say, okay, I've got a guy that can help neutralize that a little bit. They didn't go to him. So i got to give John Gannon criticism on that. 
I got to give John Gannon criticism for you got Josh Sweat. You went and got Reddick. Why are they dropping into coverage? Why are they not getting unleashed to go after the quarterback? You are not getting enough pressure with your four-man front. You've got to get more pressure. They pressured Goff nil yesterday. And look, they're lucky. I thought the Eagles secondary was outstanding yesterday. Me too. Bradbury, yep. Slay. I thought Marcus Epps was flying all over the place. CJG was very good in the game. He had five tackles, solo tackles. You know, he had one good pass defense, a breakup in there. I mean, look, uh, I-, I thought the secondary was fine. I agree with your point. Like, I saw Jordan Davis early. And, you know, my girlfriend's son, Michael, he wasn't able to watch the start of the game. He was listening on the radio. So he comes home and he says... Hey, uh, how's Jordan Davis look? And I sat there and I thought to myself, well, I remember him stopping a run early, but i got to be honest, I don't think I've seen him. And that's your point. If you go out and you get a run stuffer and DeAndre Swift is running all the bleeping, bleepity bleep all over you, then why don't you put your run stuffer back in? I saw one play that stands out that he was in the game on like third down and two. Mm -hmm. They ran right up the middle like they had been doing all day, and he swallowed the guy up and threw him right down. Yes, He was in on the goal line for a play, got to stop as well. He only played 22 snaps. I think the Eagles' run defense will be better. It was bad early last year. It got better as the year went on. I think they'll figure out, like I said, the new toy. When you get the new toy and you open the new toy, sometimes you got to read the directions. You know, sometimes we want to play with the toy so fast that you don't want to take time to read the directions. And you're like, oh, I can't figure this out. My God, i got to go read the directions, right? I think John Gannon needs to read the directions. I think he needs to do a better job of deciding. All right, I got all these guys. I got to. Fi- it's like having a basketball team. That reminds me of my father. That's what he would say. Peter, did you read the directions? Well, no. Well, then how do you expect to know how it works? It's like a basketball team that has too much depth. Yeah. The coach has to get a better handle of his rotations. How many minutes can I play this guy? How many minutes can I play that guy? How many minutes can I play him? He's got to get a better feel of, all right, they're running the ball. i got to go with Jordan Davis until they get off of it, until they decide, okay, you that's got Jordan. Sports. right? react, adjust, you know, do something, adjust. And that, that, to me, I think is a legitimate point that you have about Gannon. And we saw that last year where they weren't able to adjust or make adjustments to be more effective defensively. And, by the way, super, super early, super early stat for you. And I know it's against a different team, but Dalvin Cook had 90 yards. Madison had 36. So the Vikings, as a team, rushed for 126 yesterday. Well, to be fair, the Eagles ran for about 200 up. yards, too. That's true. Miles Sanders looked very good. I just had a problem. I mean, 15 carries for 100 and the 50-yarder by Swift. You know, I understand home run plays are going to happen, but... Your point is an accurate point, which is that if they're running the ball because of over-pursuit from your DNs or your rush guys, yeah. and they're not having containment in the middle, then put the guy that you drafted to clog up the middle. God, now you're making me mad. Well, listen, it's one week. you got to calm down. They scored 35. Uh, well, the, the offense scored 31 points. They had the interception return for the touchdown. That was nice. Um, early. Yeah, I agree. I'm frustrated with what I saw for the defense, but we have to stop with <laughs> – what happened on Sunday is now defining who you are for the next 16 games. That's true. We do. That was my tweet this morning. I said it's a week-to-week league. MG always says it's a week-to-week league, and don't overreact to the week How one How many results. points did they score in Atlanta last year, Philadelphia, on week one? 
Okay, I'll look that up. Right? 40-something. So if you were to tell me, based on one week of football last year, how many points the Eagles scored in Atlanta, you would have said, my God, they scored 32 points last year Mm -hmm. in Atlanta in the opener. This offense is awesome. Right. The next week, would they score nine? Yeah. (laughs) 11? They scored 11 points against... Still a prime number. San Francisco. (laughs) So if you were to take what you saw in week number one and define them, you would say, man, this Eagles offense is going to be unstoppable. Well, then the next week, they got stopped. They didn't do a damn thing. So let's stop putting into boxes and compartmentalize. Well, they they gave up 35 points against Detroit. You know what? Detroit's offense... Their offensive line is legit. Their offensive line is legit good. Ragnow ended up playing yesterday. I thought that was a big factor mm-hmm. in the game. The kid, Swift, was dynamite back there. He hit the holes. He read the blocks. The line won at the point of attack. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is a nice little weapon. He's not great, but he's good enough. Hawkinson's a problem for the Eagles, you know, as a tight end. They do have a little bit. Their biggest problem is Goff is just kind of a game manager. He's nothing special. But he wasn't number one pick in the draft. He's good enough, if you're not going to pressure him, mm-hmm. to complete a damn pass for five yards. That That's my take on the defensive issues yesterday. I think they have the talent to be significantly better. I don't think he did a good job with the, the new personnel that he had. Although, I will say, I thought Bradbury played well. I thought Epps played well. I thought C.J. Gardner-Johnson played well. I thought that Kaiser White played very well. I just think the offense, the defensive front, he's still trying to figure out like an NBA coach, how much playing time these guys need. And was Britton Covey the big surprise for the Eagles special teams that we didn't, uh, we hadn't talked about because it looked like, you know, they weren't going to reveal that who was going to return the punts. Nothing well, I think we knew. The... McMullen came on he, and told he us. He sort of said that. Was yeah, I mean, I think go. it was pretty clear that that he was going to be the guy. Um, yeah, he caught. I thought him catching that one with uh, somebody was sitting in his lap right. and he caught that punt. Uh, 609-403-0973 is the text board. 609-403-0973. I know a lot of people texting concerns. Let me read off some more. Mike and Marmora says, I'd like to see the ball spread around more. Uh, I have no problem with what happened with the ball. Listen, um, I call a lot of high school football games, and Steve Parker does the color commentary with me. And he likes to say, you know, when he played, and C was a really good player, he'd say, that's the again play. If it works, run it again. If it works, run it again. And fans will always say, well, run it till they stop you. Well, why wouldn't you run the same offensive play if you're throwing the ball? Detroit made no adjustment to defending Brown. So if they're not going to make an adjustment to Brown, why throw it to someone else just to appease them? Right. Keep throwing it to your best guy until they decide to stop it. And they didn't decide to stop it the entire day. So, Mike and Marmora, do you want to see the ball spread around? If you have to. But they he wasn't throwing to Brown because he was forcing it to Brown. He was throwing it to Brown because he was open. Right. And I'm not going to criticize you for throwing it to your best guy all day long. And you remember the sign in A.J. Brown's locker, right? A lot of that was made preseason. A lot of that was made the first time that he hung that. And, and uh, they made a point of saying, too, that it wasn't Photoshopped, Mike Gill. The sign in his locker that hangs there, little sign, always open. A.J. Brown, always open. Yesterday, that sign was accurate. Mike uh, in Marmora goes on to say, Hertz can't just throw the ball to Brown or run it himself. Good opposing teams will take Brown away, and Hertz needs to find his other targets. Smith had zero catches yesterday. All right. Number one, 
opposing teams will take Brown away. And if they do, you're right. They've got to throw it to the other guys. But they did it yesterday. And by the way, zero catches for Smith. Well, one hit him right between the numbers, and he yeah, dropped it. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I don't have a problem with 13 targets yesterday for A.J. Brown. In fact, if you're going to leave A.J. Brown that open every week, he better have 13 <laughs> targets. Right, just keep hitting it. The again play, again and again and again. I couldn't agree more. And, and that's the thing is I actually thought that Devontae Smith might have a big game. Uh, our friend and colleague Ron Jaworski predicted Devontae Smith was going to have a huge game. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that happens. You you overthink the situation. You think like, well, because A.J. Brown's going to be out there, and that's the number one guy that the Lions are going to try to game plan for and going to try to stop. Well, Devontae Smith's going to have a big day. Guess what? They did try to game plan for A.J. Brown. They just couldn't stop him, so the ball kept going. Honestly, they made no adjustments on A.J. Brown all day. They single-covered him all day long, and I give Hurts a lot of credit for not trying to get other guys involved in saying if you're going to give him one-on-one coverage, I'm going to throw it to him. Why wouldn't you? Did right? You did anybody the, complain that the no. Eagles threw the ball to Terrell Owens too many times? Not a one. No. And did you see that they walked off the field together? I mean, these guys, you know, it's one of those things that the night that that draft night trade happened and they showed that FaceTime call with them, like that giggling, like, I can't believe this is happening. We're going to yeah. play together. I was a little so, upset yesterday. Why is that? So Fox reached out to me asking me for audio from my show okay they were going to play during that segment oh. did you watch the segment no you probably didn't see it it was on the nfl kickoff show they did a sit down with aj brown and devonta smith oh cool so it was christina pink sat down and interviewed them all right and they asked me for audio from my show they wanted to play the audio so i sent it to them i said does this work they said yeah this is perfect and uh i guess it didn't fit they mm. got cut from mm. the script that happens sometimes. Yeah, but they used the video of that call back. Yes, and, and I said, yeah, no, yeah, my that's... audio was better than that stupid video. <laughs> Sounds like you're a little upset there, buddy. Well, I could have got a little. Uh... This was going to be your national uh, yeah. debut. I've had a couple times before, but uh, I figure, you know, the Eagles are a little. It's, hey, it's nice they reached out in this day and, day and age. So a lot of times people just steal stuff and take it. They don't even ask. Well, I mean, you had to get it from me. I, I, they, it's your rights. Yeah, it. But that being said. I don't have a problem with them not spreading the ball around. Here's what I would say. Now, somebody else texted this in, 609-403-0973. Keep the text message coming. Do you have complaints? Are you concerned? Or are you just saying, you know what, Mike? It's an NFL win on the road. I don't care what happened. I'm happy. Right. That's the way I kind of feel. I, I just, I'm, I'm to the point where I've watched football and sports long enough that I know what happens this week. Last year in week one, the Saints beat the Packers by 35 points if memory serves. Mm -hmm. The Saints didn't make the playoffs. The Packers went to the division game, I guess. They were the number one seed last year, were they not? Yeah. So, the fact that they lost by 35 points in week one had absolutely zero bearing on the results of either one of those two teams' seasons. And I think every year in week one, it's, oh my god, look at that team! I think Pittsburgh last year beat Buffalo in week one. Buffalo ended up being, you know, a play uh, played in the AFC Championship game. Pittsburgh was mediocre at best last year. Stop taking what you see on a Sunday and then... On a week one Sunday. And then, yes, <laughs> even using more. that that's for like even more, yeah. the basis of what your team is going to look like, unless you're Dallas. 
Yeah, in that case. I mean, when that when that came out last night, and were you still awake watching that? Because I I stayed up. You know, you. I'd like to know where the Dallas guy is who texted in all day Friday. First off, forget the fact that Dak Prescott's out six to eight weeks. That team was so dreadful last night, and the only reason I'm I'm kicking myself because again I gave Dallas too much credit. Right. I said, look, they have the best quarterback. By the way. Before he got hurt, he was pedestrian last night. My friend Matt Lombardo tweeted that out, who now covers the league uh, nationally, and he tweeted, man, he looks pedestrian. I said, Matt, you are being kind. I thought Prescott looked dreadful last night. The only reason I think they have a shot to kind of hang around is their defense is pretty darn good. Their defense is, and as I said, they've got the best defensive player in the division. And they had the best quarterback in the division. They no longer have the best quarterback. And if you watch them at all last night with any objectivity, they have no weapon on the outside. Their offensive line, as I said, is mediocre at best. And they lost more guys on that offensive line. That team is in trouble. Saw JP last night. Jason Peters standing there in his warm-up suit waiting to waiting to learn the offense mm-hmm. so he could come in. That speaks volumes, right? I mean, uh, that's your guy. Tom in Davila says, my only complaint is I like to have not see Hertz run 17 times. I would agree with that. I think that's Tom. I, I agree with the 17 times. I think there are some times when Detroit blitzed. He just read it, saw it, and ran. I think those times he needs to find the hot receiver. I think that's where he sees the blitz. He's got to see that and say, check, Goddard, boom, turn, you're open, take the ball, run. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and I think that, you know, you also get a thought like that when you had the personal foul call. Now, they did the right thing. They ejected the guy. You know, he, he was kind of taking a shot. I also like seeing teammates stand up for him, uh, not just the linemen, too. I like the fact that Zach Pascal was the guy that was, like, jumping right in there and getting Well, they kind of said that he was, like, the enforcer in Indianapolis. Yeah, so he did that job again. So, I mean, but you don't want to see your quarterback exposed to that many hits. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Pete, don't forget, go to our website, 97.3ESPN.com. You can win that $100 food and beverage credit to the gallery and... An overnight stay right here at the fabulous Ocean Casino Resort. We're going to announce that name tonight at 5. So go to our website if you haven't to enter right now. We are jam-packed today. Uh, Phillies with a sweep. That game ended last night. Yeah, that was, hey, that was nice. The Phillies got to watch the Eagles game. Mike, the Sports Bash is brought to you by the Gallery Bar, Book, and Games. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar, Book, and Games inside the Ocean Casino Resort here this football season. Cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the Gallery inside Ocean Casino Resort and go for the win. For more information, visit theoceanac.com. You must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call one 800 I love the amount of text messages coming in. 609-403-0973. Or if you're listening on the free mobile app, you can tap the app and message us through the app on your phone. We'll read off some of those text messages on the other side. How good was A.J. Brown? He was mega. And I'll explain why I used that word next. Now, back with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey Sports Leader. Hey, it's Mike Gill, Sports Bash Live, here at the Gallery Bar Booking Game. The PT's here, you out there, citing news for you guys. Maybe you haven't heard yet that you can travel on American Airlines from Atlantic City International Airport, American Airlines, and ACY. 
American Air, uh, the airport are your gate, gateway to the world. And ACY is now your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. You can go see your favorite team's away games and leave right from ACY. Save time and money, avoid your fees and hassle of parking at the big city airport when you start your next vacation on American Airlines from ACY. Excitement is just one stop away on American Airlines from ACY. Book today at AA.com. All right, Pete. You got a lot of text messages here. That's good. That's what it should be like on Monday's shows when we do these Mondays here from the gallery, bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino and Resort. So how good was A.J. Brown? He was mega. All right, PT? Yeah, I'd heard you say that word going to break, and I asked you, does that involve another mega? And you said yes. In his first 44 career games, A.J. Brown has 195 catches, Megatron... 187. A.J. Brown, 3,150 yards. Megatron, 2,985. A.J. Brown, 24 touchdowns. Megatron, 20. Yards per catch, 16.2. Megatron, 16. That's how good A.J. Brown has been, and that's how big he was yesterday. He had 155 yards through the air. It's his career high, and according to Elias, he had the most receiving yards ever by a player in his Eagles debut. The previous high was Dante Stallworth, who had 141 back in 2006. So that's the impact that A.J. Brown oh, yeah. had yesterday. That's why they made this trade. But that's the impact he has had in his career for people who are like, ah, he's not that good or no, he's better than Megatron. I thought it was like fireworks, Mike. You know, when you watch fireworks, you, what do you hear a lot of? Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, right? And in the second quarter, that 54-yard pass from Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown, that's his longest catch since a 57-yard touchdown at Indy with Tennessee back in the day. But that's the kind of ball for all the people out there that like to criticize Jalen Hurts. And you know who you are, folks, because you've been doing it the entire offseason. Jalen Hurts can't throw. Jalen Hurts is inaccurate. Jalen Hurts has trouble with his accuracy. Jalen Hurts can't throw the deep ball. That is a textbook Exhibit A. If we were in a court of law, your father would admit that in as Exhibit A. That 54-yard pass. And yeah, they asked Brown after the game, what was that pass? He said, dropped out of the sky, man. Dropped out of the sky. It was beautiful. No, I thought Hurts threw the ball well for the most part. He had a couple. You know, you're going to have a couple. I mean, Tom Brady misses. Aaron Rodgers misses. Drew Brees missed when he played. You're going to miss a couple throws. He had that one to gain well. He had the one um, on the sideline where somebody had a slide to kind of grab it. But... For the most part, he hit A.J. Brown in stride. Brown caught it, had yak yards yesterday. He threw the ball to Devonta Smith, hit him right between the numbers. And he dropped it. Uh, he dropped it. <laughs> I, I, you know, the one that he that, dropped in there. That's a concern. You asked at the start of the show. That's a little of a concern for me. Like, come on, Devontae Smith. What are you dropping balls? They said it was really loud in there, Mike Gill. And I don't know. If that, it. I don't know if that translates on TV the way that it does. Like, you and I are sitting, what, a foot and a half apart, maybe? And I could turn to you. You could turn to me. Even if we didn't have headsets on, you'd hear me. This close, they couldn't hear each other. That's how loud it was. Oh, I said you've got to give it. credit. I tweeted out, like, how loud it was in there. And someone tweeted back to me. That's not an excuse. I said, no, I'm not making an excuse. I'm giving the Detroit fans credit for right. balling out. They showed up yesterday, and they felt like they never ran out of energy. 
Yeah, including at the end where they uh, still uh, had a little bit more push and you got a little concerned. You know, until they broke off that first down run, you know, until you still thought, my God, are they are the Eagles actually going to lose this? Uh, Mike, perhaps Hassan Reddick should change his jersey number. He looked like Mike Vick playing defense. Jordan Davis, <laughs> excellent point. Also, they did not adjust to the Lions loading the D-line and teeing off on Hurts. He was under big-time duress. Give Lions credit for not giving up their fans were on fire. That's uh, Phil. Yeah, I mean, I, I said that before. I think the Eagles, one of the things that hurts, and I don't know if this is hurts, is he allowed to, when he saw the pressure coming, to check out of that and, and find the hot receiver. you got to find that hot guy instead of seeing the pressure and then trying to run through it. Right, and, you know, that's a thing I think that college quarterbacks, and especially running college quarterbacks, tend to have a problem with when they enter the league, is that they they take a quick scan, they don't take long enough to sort of have a plan A, plan B, plan C, and, you know, they'll just use their God-given ability, which is their legs, to pull the ball down and run. I know this. They won the game yesterday, Mike Gill, because of Jalen Hurts' legs. So I'm not, I'm concerned. I don't want to see the guy get injured, but they won the game because of his running ability, in addition to, you know, the way that they had uh, a vertical uh, uh, plays at times. Mike, I do not understand our fans as usual. Yes, in a perfect world, you spread it around accordingly, but either you could not stop Brown or they made zero adjustments to stop him. So you go over to him over and over and over and over till they prove they can stop it, which they never did. For God's sakes, it's game one on the road with a lot of new faces. They did what they needed to do at the end of the game. Bottom line, they won the Oprah. I couldn't be happier. Go Birds. Um, Al Davis. That guy just, sounds a lot like me, right? Just win, baby. Just win. Just find a way to win the game, right? You know what I mean? And in week one, Look, how many teams didn't win that PT, you thought were going to win? Last year, the Eagles beat Atlanta 31 to, I don't know what Atlanta scored, six? Okay. Everybody was high. So you, no, no, no. Right? So you dominated them. Dominated that game. Well, it's only the Falcons. That's so right. That's it doesn't right. matter if they would have won that game handily or if they played the way they did yesterday. You would have found something to say. If they dominated the Lions, it would have been, it was only the Lions. Who cares? Yeah. It was only the Lions. So, no, no, so you're in a no-win situation as far as the fan base goes. I mean, you're in a win situation as far as the win column goes, and that's nice. You know, you certainly don't want to go out and lay an egg, or you certainly don't want to lose a nail-baiter. And by the way, ask the fans in Cleveland how they're waking up today. Ask the fans in Tennessee how they feel. My Cleveland good friend, won. Tennessee lost. I had Do it they the feel different? I had it the Well, I'm saying uh, I met um, Carolina. You know what I meant. But my point is, is that um, my good friend Kevin Kugler got ripped by the Tennessee fans. He's got a tweet up there where somebody hates him because he thinks that he thinks that he was a homer for the Giants. You and I both know, like people's overreactions on the Monday after Week One are almost comical. They're uh, almost comical. Mike, did you see how tired the team looked on the way to the locker room? Um, yeah, I thought. Look, it's an NFL game. You're going to be tired. and But I think it's magnified by the fact that they didn't play preseason. That's true. Lack of preseason games. Detroit hit a lot. And you watch Hard Knocks. They, they had did. a much more they, physical. They tackled to the ground. They came and they brought it. And their fan base brought it. Look, and not for nothing. I know this will sound By stupid. the way, I want to add this. Yeah, go ahead. He said, great show, guys. Nice having the PT around. Oh, well, that's very nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, did you that. pay? Because I got another text message that says, 
Thanks, guys. Love having Pete on the show. Little <laughs> Rust, I will take a W. Little nervous about Gannon. Hopefully they watch some tape, make some changes, because the Vikings look pretty good. Well, there is the rust for me or for the Eagles? You know, that's the – no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you each Monday at the Ocean Bar Book and Games and uh, the Gallery Bar Book and Games, and I'm happy to talk about the Eagles because they won. Find a way to win. That's the at the end all the be-all, did you win the football game? Not everybody did. Hey, John from Kate May says, I'm not really concerned about the birds. The Lions play hard. They have a lot of young talent, and they love their coach. That being said, my worry is Hurts getting hit so much. Go mm-hmm. birds. Yeah. You know, people forget about this. The Lions went 3-3 three and three to end the year last year. That coach started. To, now, I don't think the guy's a really good coach coach. I just think he's a good motivator, and the guys play hard for him. Yeah. I think he's a good motivator, but I also think uh, him, like, him onside's kicking there. Uh, that was a well, but is that does he call that or does the special he teams has to coach okay call it? That? Yeah, but you know, I think sometimes like when the, the of course naturally when they got to the post game with Nick Sirianni last night, the first thing that those were the first questions coming out to Nick Sirianni about the defense, and yeah. Nick gave a very honest answer and said, "You know what? He's like, we're gonna have to go back and look at the film because that's not my forte." And I thought, there's a nice honest glimpse into a head coach who's basically saying, "I coach receivers, I coach the offense, I coach my side of the football." I'm not worried about that. We'll have a conversation, not here in our post-game press conference, about you know what kind of yards we gave up or how did the defense play or why didn't we get enough sacks or all the other things. Like We love to break down. That's the beauty of the NFL. We love to analyze this stuff inside out and backwards, well, and we're going to do it every day till about Wednesday when we flip the script and start looking at the Vikings. Uh, all right, Sports Bash Live. I thought uh, all off season and on Friday, I told PT, I told Ryan, they both picked Tennessee in the survivor pool. I said, yeah. I think this Giants team yeah. is sneaky. Yeah. I think their culture is changing. We'll get into the uh, NFC East. The Giants win. Washington wins. Philadelphia won. Dallas did not. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. How many hours did he spend at Citizens Bank Park yesterday? Right? Yeah, I mean, that was a huge, long rain delay, wasn't it? I mean, it was unbelievable, that rain delay. And uh, I did see that the the Phillies got to watch the Eagles game. That's number one. I also saw a very funny tweet where Matt Breen texted out and said, everybody that stayed for the end of this game should at least get a pair of tickets to a game next season. I got to say, Saturday night, they had 37,000 people there. There you go. More sports bash coming up here live at the Ocean Gallery Bar Book and Games. On a Monday, Eagles win 1-0. It doesn't seem that it satisfied the Eagles fans, although the text messages have been kind of positive. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City next. Back to the sports ESPN. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. You can message us through the app on your phone. And, of course, hit us up on the text board, 609-403-0973. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. I want to start off with, uh, now, Mike, did you make it from start to finish at the Phillies game yesterday? Absolutely. I was there the whole time. I guess about uh, eight, nine hours total. Watched the entire Eagles game there. Listened to every play of the Giants game. Saw the end of the Phillies game. Uh, full full service day for uh, yours truly up in now, Citizens Park. Did they play the whole Eagles game on the big screen once the rain delay started? Yes, it was on the big screen, and it was on all the TVs around the ballpark uh, also. And, and I think they mixed in some baseball 
for a while too, like at halftime. But the Eagles game was on the team on the big screen. I'd say ninety percent of the the rain delay. Basically. Okay, good. Outside of Dak Prescott's injury, what was the biggest story in the NFC East yesterday? Wow, Giants. Giants 1 and 0 for the first time since 2016. Uh they actually ran an offense that looked like it was in the 21st century. Uh Brian Dable goes for two. Uh Tennessee misses a field goal to, and, and the Giants are are 1 and 0. The other big story and and this is where Eagles fans just sort of crack me up, you know. If you don't believe after watching the first week of the season that the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender in the NFC, you don't know anything about football. These Eagles fans are are, are hot stuff. They're you know acting like their team uh, isn't any good. It, uh, the defense. This some guy actually tweeted at me. Hey, you only won. We only won because AJ Brown was on on the team. Well, well, he's on the team. He's on the team. He's <laughs> taking off the team. All right. Yeah. He he made a lot of big plays. He's on your team. I mean, these Eagles fans are un. Believable. They're like Lou Holtz. They're like Lou Holtz of fans. It's, it's embarrassing. They should stop talking and texting. Just go back in your hole. Hey, Mike, can I just put this in, this PT? I, I just want to uh, let you know, if you didn't already, that the touchdown catch for your Giants there, Chris Myrick, where did he go to college? Do you know? You're, no. Temple. So my damn oh, owls yeah. came back, and uh, the owls influencer is everywhere. That's a Temple kid that's out there catching that big uh, touchdown catch late in the game. <laughs> yeah, and and you have Saquon Barkley finally looking like Saquon Barkley, which we've only waited what three or four years for that to happen, basically. So you mentioned I, I've been saying like I think the culture is changing with the Giants. I don't know what that translates to wins. But does that translate to wins this year? I, you know, I, I don't know. Again, I thought coming into the season, I thought seven and a half wins was too high a number. But Vegas seems to know what's going on. And, and hey, maybe they've got a shot at eight wins. You're talking about a team that's won 22 games the last five years. So that's less than, that's about four and a half wins a season. So, you know, eight, eight wins, seven, eight wins might be a, a parade down Broadway. But they looked... And you don't want to overreact to the first game of the season, but they at least looked, looked like a football team that actually suited up in the 21st century offensively, basically. Uh, you know, under Joe Judge, especially towards the end of last year, they looked like they were running the single wing, for God's sakes. <laughs> Mike McGarry for the Press of Atlantic City. Now, I saw you tweeting away uh, about the Eagles, like, hey, if you don't think this team, as you just kind of pontificated about, or no overreaction, if there was something that was a legitimate concern, because you're right, the Eagle fans, oh, the defense, they threw the ball to Brown too much, Hurts ran too many times. What was one thing that maybe you'd say, okay, I will agree with that overreaction? You know, I, I, I know people come down on the defense, but to me, the defense scored a touchdown. They, they went out to a big lead, and Detroit came back on them. Now, when you have a big lead, it changes the way the game is played. It changes the way you play defense. It changes the way you play offense. That stuff happens in the NFL every day. They went on the road to a tough environment against a spunky team that had a little buzz about them. Hey, how many times did somebody come up to me in August say, I'm worried about this Detroit game. We're practicing 58 minutes, and Detroit's tackling to the ground. Oh, my God, you know. Uh, now you go up there and you win on the road. You score 38 points. And then you look at the rest of the NFC. Arizona, terrible. The Rams, terrible. The 49ers, terrible. 
The Green Bay Packers, terrible. Dallas, terrible. Uh, Tampa looked awful last night. I mean, and then I got people tweeting at me, watch out for the Minnesota Vikings. This is what we fear. We fear Kirk Cousins now. <laughs> this is what Eagles fans has come to. We fear Kirk Cousins, basically. Well, they you'll get are- a chance You'll get a chance to see Kirk Cousins Monday night because that's who will be in Philadelphia yeah, and, and for Monday they night football. Lose, but the, the Eagles are clearly a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. I'm not saying they got to make it to the Super Bowl, but they have the talent to get there. And I'll, I'll say this. I'll say, you know what would be uh, the bare minimum for the Eagles this season? Win a division and get at least one playoff home game. If you don't do that, and win that playoff home game. If you don't make it to the division round this year with a win in a, by winning the division and uh, getting a home playoff game, it, it's a disappointing season. That's that's the floor for this team. The ceiling is the Super Bowl. Since we're talking NFC East, did you peek at all at the Commanders game and see uh, our old uh, friend and uh, guy Carson Wentz and his performance there? Four touchdowns, good. Interceptions on back-to-back series, not so good. Yeah, you don't know what Carson Wentz is going to do. That guy comes out and he throws one great play. The next play, he's throwing the ball to the water boy on the sidelines, basically. <laughs> I, I mean, it's anybody can catch the football. The wide receiver can catch the football. The defensive tackle can catch the football. Somebody in the stands can catch a football. You're not winning consistently with Carson Wentz at, at, at quarterback, basically. That's, well, I will. You know, I would say that the Giants would have lost that game last year. I think Washington probably would have lost that game last year. I, I, well, we've seen the Giants lose that game before. When that guy lined up for the 47-yard field goal, how many times have we seen that happen? The Giants lose on a last-second kick, including to the Eagles uh, the past four or five seasons. So, yeah, maybe a, a little bit of changing culture. You know, with the Giants, you got to take it. Again, they're 1-0, and over 500. For the first time since 2016, that's really unbelievable when when you say that, basically. So you have to take that with uh, you know, a, a giant fan. You have to sort of bask in the glow of being 1-0 and and above 500. But I'm not uh, buying my Super Bowl tickets yet with the Giants. Uh, you were in Philly yesterday for the Phillies, and maybe no one paid attention, but they had 37,000 on Saturday night. I think they had a giveaway. Uh, yesterday they had... 350 people at the game but they figured out a way yeah they figured out a way to get a sweep alec bohm with a big shot there and look they had uh, a bad team in her and they swept them yeah i mean yesterday was the type of game that good baseball teams win right you got a three and a half hour rain delay you waste a start by aaron nola he throws two innings he can't come back after the three hour rain delay they come out of the rain delay, you're down 4-1, yet you still rally to win the game 7-5. Those are the types of te- games good baseball teams win. And the Phillies right now, this next sort of two weeks is going to tell the tale, I think, of their seasons. Three in Miami, three in Atlanta, two in Toronto, and then I think four against Atlanta again. Yeah, They get through this stretch without drowning. And still in play, and still holding on to that wild card, either the second or final wild card spot, they're going to make the playoffs. Mike McGarry, who wins the NL East? Uh, the Mets are going to win the NL East. I think they've uh, held off the Braves. The Braves finally lost. They go out to Seattle. Uh, they drop two or three. The Mets take two of three. Uh, I like the Mets. I-, I think it'll be decided 
in late September when the Mets play the Braves, but I think the Mets might have to go into that series just winning, needing to win one game to win the division. Now, I like them now. I think you're a game and a half up. I like the Mets. Uh, Mike McGarry, the biggest high school football story this weekend was what? Boy, you had St. Joe uh, kind of upsetting Holy Spirit, you know, after losing to St. Augustine 30 to 10. And, you, and the other great story you have is you have Atlantic City off to a 2-0 and start. They beat Abzagami, and you have Atlantic City going to Mainland. Mainland at 2-1. and The Mainland running back, Jabril May, scored six touchdowns and a win over Oakcrest. So you got a big game Friday night, a classic sort of shore press area game. Atlantic City 2-0 and at Mainland 2-1. and So the biggest story is probably what those teams did last week to sort of set up this Friday night's game in Linwood. All right, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. Should be a fun year. Giants win. First time they're 1-0 since when? 2016. Wow. Dust off the Giants jerseys. All right, Mike. Appreciate it, bud. All right, we'll see you down the road. Thank you. All right. He said the Eagles Super Bowl. That's what he said, PT. I'll tell you, I'm right there with him. Are you? All right, I'm a little worried. <laughs> uh, thank God my aunt lives out there. That's I would tell saying. everybody, well, we can break it down. McMullen yeah. is off today. He was traveling back from Detroit, and Nick Sirianni is speaking, I believe, as we speak. Okay. So we'll have John on tomorrow. More on the Eagles. I got all these text messages, PT. We got to read them off. Yes, Read reaction. and react. 609-403-0973. The biggest story in the NFC East yesterday, other than Dak Prescott, was... This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games Ocean Casino Resort, this is the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN. Mike Gill, Pete Thompson. Holy mackerel, PT. We got a lot of text messages. 609-403-0973. Thoughts on the Eagles game yesterday? Concerns? Confidence? Biggest story in the NFC East other than Dak's injury yesterday. We're going to do that throughout the day. Jeff Kerr tonight from Good Morning NFC East. I was on this morning with Jeff. Yeah, I was thinking 720, right? 720 was my hit. I saw that. And let me tell you, we could have talked about the NFC East for two, three, four hours with what happened yesterday. Is it possible that it's no longer the NFC least? Or is it just that there's so much drama that there's so much to well, talk Well, if you take about. McGarry, the whole NFC's least. Yeah, you know, he said the Packers, they got beat up yesterday. San Francisco, who I wasn't point. a fan of. Yeah. Um, who else? Tampa. Uh, Tampa Bay didn't look great last night. Good enough to win. I think it's great. a lot of byproducts of these teams just don't play in the preseason. Yeah, and they, really, they don't tackle the ground other than maybe the Lions. Who else struggled last night? Yeah. Um, in week one, you had a lot of them. The, the NFC team. Oh, the NFC side. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah. the Rams, going back to Thursday, right? Yeah, they didn't look great. Um, yeah, we mentioned Tampa's offense didn't look great last night. not going to get excited about the Saints. Dallas, they? they were Even terrible. they won. Yeah. I like the Saints. I think the Saints are a playoff team. They didn't look great yesterday. I mean, right. you know. You, you chalk that up to week one confusion or jitters? Yep. Um, no, not week one confusion or jitters, just... It's the NFL, man. It's week one. Everybody's preparing differently. Everybody's training camps are different. Um, I'm not all that concerned. If the only you know, team. Did you see Aaron Rodgers' face? I'm sorry, but did you see his face at the end of that game? No, oh, the best is so you're not a wrestling fan. 
But this oh. whole CM Punk thing last week, do you know anything about that? So, some controversy that he was I, – I asked you about it off the air, and I already forget your answer. So this wrestling promotion, AEW, which is going to be in Atlantic City in uh, coming up in November, I think. Oh, okay. CM Punk wrestles for them. So after their pay-per-views, right. they actually do, like, press conferences. Okay. Like it's a real event. So they have the guy out there doing a press conference. Somebody asked him a question that really ticked him off. Okay. And he just went off. CM Punk did. Yes. Wow, and you know this man. I know him very well. Personally. And basically he called out the company. He said they don't know what they're doing. It's being run by someone who couldn't run a target. Wow. I mean he and the guy's sitting right next to him. So he's ripping this guy and he's and then, you know, as the thing's going on, he's just like I'm tired, I'm old, I'm working with a bunch of children. <laughs> so awesome. they are playing that video now. I'm tired, I'm old, I'm playing with a bunch of children, and it says Aaron Rodgers after week one. <laughs> That's right, I'm tired, I'm old, I'm playing and with a bunch Punk of children. And Punk is sitting there answering the questions. He's eating a muffin. Oh, that's and he's funny. just like, I'm tired, I'm old. you got to see the video. It's great. But they're yeah, like, tee that up for me. It, it's really good. That's awesome. Uh, your text messages are coming in, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. By the way, I thought the play of the game, which we hadn't really brought up, I thought Miles Sanders had a big game. But that run that he has, if they stop him there, I think right. the Eagles lose that game. Right, the run at the end of the game, to, to it, the second effort, you know what I mean? And, and look, I, I I thought the Eagles had poor tackling on their side of the ball. I didn't like that on one of the uh, Lions touchdowns, it was sort of like a stop, then second effort, that he gets in there. DeAndre Swift, and I think that was on the touchdown that made it 21-14. to 14. But yeah, there's no doubt, Mike, that if Miles Sanders doesn't have like a second gear, sort of runs into the wall, reloads, and then gets around the end and gets that key first down they don't win i thought they won the game because of jalen hurts legs i thought they also won the game because of the fact that they were able to pick up that key first down late and and you know you had said to me 38 35 and i go the eagles survive right you know i like alliteration you know i like things that rhyme so yeah that's how i'm going to describe week one 38 35 the eagles survive you want me to read off some yeah of hold on messages? one second i just want to pass off the news oh uh Derek barnett torn acl it has been confirmed by Nick Sirianni that he will miss the rest of the season. That's the guy who had the greatest defensive play or was part of the greatest defensive play in franchise history. Yes. but He oh, had the fumble recovery. He didn't, right. the he strip didn't get was, the strip The strip sack. was BG, but Barnett was involved. Yeah, and, and I know people out there are going to say, ah, who cares, Barnett. You know, to have him be a backup in your rotation, I didn't have any problem with that signing. Now, who's going to get those snaps? Teron Jackson, maybe. I know that Nick Sirianni was asked about the playing time for uh, Jordan Davis yesterday, and his response essentially was a rotation. said, no correlation between Lions run game success and Davis not being on the field, despite the fact that I read under three yards of carry when he was on the field, 10 yards of carry when he was off the field. He just doesn't want to give that up. That's not even stubbornness. That's like uh, they're going to game plan and figure out how they're going to go from there. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, was Sweat or Hargrave? I mean, everybody, you you said it earlier in the show. With Derek Barnett's injury, he's the guy that backs up Sweat. And uh, many times that defensive line is the line by committee. It's not that she just had four. It's that she had eight guys that could get in there and get the job done so who knows what Derek barnett's injury and what effect that'll have moving forward all right now some text messages 
text messages on the text message board. 609-403-0973 is the text message board. What's your reaction to the Eagles' 38-35 win today? This is Mr. 305, I think, Mike. He says the Eagles need to work on better blitz beaters. That's a lot of Bs for me. Uh, next time, stop putting so many Bs in there. Defenses are going to wait, be Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. The Eagles, Mike, the Eagles need to work on better blitz beaters. Okay. Defenses are going to be blitzing Jalen a lot. They need the outlets or the safety valve to the tight end of the running backs when the blitz is coming. You cannot have Jalen running for his life every time there's a pressure or a hurry. I said that, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's got to have a hot read. When he sees the blitz coming, he's got to have a hot read, and he's got to be able to just say, here's the blitz, boom, who's my hot guy? Who's my hot uh, receiver? Robin Margate says, Mike, I love the show. The offense certainly looked dynamic yesterday, but I think the defense has to be better against the run. I would like to see the Davis snap count increase as the season goes on. It will. Gannon will figure it out, and the Eagles will be a force in the NFC this season. Should be a fun year. Thank you, Robin Margate. I agree. I think that you'll see more Jordan Davis. I think you'll see more five-man fronts. I think you'll see the defense... Um, in general, look, they did not play at all in the preseason. I think they looked a little gassed at times. Um, and quite frankly, I hate to say this, but Detroit, they're not a playoff team. But they have a better offensive line than many playoff teams. Even They just up. don't have the right. quarterback or the weapons. Right. Right? You know, if if you put that offensive line in Minnesota, Minnesota would win the Super Bowl. <laughs> For, seriously. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's where I think people downplayed Detroit a little too much and are not understanding is the offensive line is a big deal. I thought their offensive line really kept them in the game. It allowed them, PT, even when they were down in that game, their offensive line or their faith in their offensive line allowed them to run the ball with success yeah, you're, that's even when they point. were down in that game. They didn't get away from running the ball right. because they trust their offensive line, and I thought their offensive line was fresh as opposed to the Eagles' defensive front, I thought, looked tired. Yeah, and that, that's an excellent point. How many times do you see teams abandon the run, including the Eagles, like over my lifetime, it feels like, when they abandon the run? And Although, you know what? I got I to gotta pull this one up because on Friday's show, we sat here, same place, same bad time, same location, and we talked about how was the how are the Eagles going to, uh, what was their offensive strategy, what was their attack going to be, how are they going to play this game out? And I got to tell you, I was not shocked, but pleasantly surprised. Remember you said, like, hey, they had four rushing touchdowns last year. Are they going to have that again? Uh, yeah, they did. Four rushing touchdowns and 44 points last year. Four rushing touchdowns and 38 points this year. 350 total yards last year against the Lions. 455 total yards this year. So they certainly were able to move the ball on the ground. They have eight rushing touchdowns against the Lions in the last two games they played. That's right. You I see have... the stat yesterday? It was the first time four different rushing touchdowns from four different players in a game for the Eagles since 1961. I threw the four guys to my father. He remembered three of the four. Oh, I don't even know. Uh, I never heard of any of them. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to struggle. I'll tell you who they yeah. were. Yeah, you wrote it down there. It's in No, here. I have the notes. Oh, beautiful. It was... Billy Ray Barnes, oh man, Ted Dean, yeah, Clarence Peaks, and Theron Sapp. Clarence Beeks, isn't that the guy from Trading Places with the uh, crop report? Oh no, that's Beeks. That's Beeks. Yeah, you, you probably have never seen Trading Places. Have no, you? 
Yeah, it happened on fun. October 22nd, 1961 at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Billy Ray Barnes, Ted Dean, Clarence Peaks, and Theron Sapp Good all note. scored touchdowns. You ever been to the Cotton Bowl? No. I have. All right, Mike, I understand this is another text message. Uh, 609-403-0973. MG, the only thing uh, I love the people that interact with the show, give us your name and your town, please, so I can say who you are. I understand it's the first game, and we got the W, but if we're being critical, Sirianni isn't calling the offense that he needs to manage the game a little bit. Sirianni doesn't call the offense. So many times the play clock was at zero or 12 men in the huddle. Also, we need Smith and Goddard more involved next week, and the defense needs to add more pressure entirely to ease easy up front uh sirianni, entirely too easy up front Got sirianni it. doesn't call the plays that's okay. one two yep. i agree that the offense looked disjointed there was too many late snaps i'll agree with that okay um i don't care how many targets certain guys got it, it's a week-to-week thing next week someone will get nine the other guy will get two and you'll right. say why did he get nine and him only get two who cares they won. Uh, um, and what was the last one? The last one was about um, Smith and Goddard more involved no, next week. The uh, the one I didn't dr- oh, address. De- defense needs to add more pressure. It's well, entirely too easy up front. Yeah, they they got to do a better job there. Yeah, There's I mean, no question. Yeah. I mean, they threw Avante Maddox on a on a corner blitz once, and it worked. Yeah. I mean, I'm not asking you to blitz, and I know when Sal Pal's on on Friday, he's going to go off about it. He texted me this morning, and went on. He said, "Where's the pressure?" Right. You got to send pressure. The only t- the only sack they had all day was when Goff fumbled the it snap. Was, it was, yeah, and that's a that's a that's like technically a sack. It was half the Cox and half the Hargrave, I think, but that's not a sack. Here's another text, uh, and this is good. Uh, even though no name in town, this person has the in sort of bullet points, and the PT likes bullets. Boom! Lack of real preseason play. Boom! Shows first in some missed tackles. Boom, that will improve. Boom, no worries. Boom, I thought Hertz was getting rid of the ball much quicker when the play broke down, which is a big improvement. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, I mean, I think the no preseason is a common theme around the league. I mean, that's the problem. People watch the Eagles game, and then they kind of, you know, don't really check in on much else. But if you watch a lot of football this weekend... I think the theme around there was not a lot of teams play preseason games. Right, and they certainly didn't tackle to the ground, and you saw some poor tackling, and saw you saw a lack of, like, prep, not lack of preparation, but the rust. Jalen Hurts, I thought, was good yesterday. He, quite frankly, won them the game. I mean, if it wasn't for him and his legs and his ability to run and making plays, they probably don't win the game. I mean, they sent a lot of pressure at him, and he got out of a lot of pressure and completed some big play passes. Um, but that being said, he zero has interceptions, zero fumbles, right? Didn't, didn't turn the ball, didn't over. Turn ball over. He's got to be better. Yep. He's no got to be better. There's no question that he, I thought he looked better, but I think he still has room to grow. And I think he will. I said it on Friday. My bold prediction was that by the end of the year, the Eagles will be very confident that Jalen Hurts is their quarterback. Yeah, my bold prediction was that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith will each have over 1,000 yards rushing. I feel pretty good about that Brown one. Receiving. Uh, yeah, receiving. I feel pretty good about that Brown one. I'm not so sure about Devontae Smith and why he disappeared. Uh, Alan Vineland wants to know, hey, Mike, what happened with Fletcher Cox? Any other injuries? Uh, yes, there's an injury we can tell you about today. What do you mean? What happened with Fletcher Cox? Did yeah. he get hurt yesterday? What will happen with Fletcher Cox? I think he's just. I think he's trying to ask, like, wh- why is Fletcher Cox not dominating? Why is he not the same guy that he used to be? I thought, and I brought this up a little earlier, and I think they brought it up during the broadcast yesterday, was that they were being too aggressive. Fletcher and Javon were too aggressive. A 
the the A gap, the the zero, mm-hmm. and Detroit took advantage of their over aggressiveness in the middle of that line. Yes, Derek Barnett got hurt, but I I, I don't understand. I gotta have to read it myself. I don't oh, have the text can, board up in front. Yeah, of Yeah, I can go back to it. He it literally just says what happened. What happened with Fletcher Cox? Any other injuries? And of course, I did not Barnett hear that Fletcher injury, Cox yeah. got hurt. If he did, then uh, that's news to me. Right, and but. I didn't think he was terrible yesterday. I just thought he over-pursued a lot. And they got to get more pressure from them. Like, Hargrave last year had all those sacks early in the year. I don't think that they were a factor at all in the in the, in the the pass rush, those two guys. Yeah, thank you to PJ and Tuckerton, Andrew and Delaware, the people that are uh, letting us know that Derek Barnett out for the season, torn ACL. We appreciate that. And interactivity on the text message board, 609-403-0973. Now, brace yourself. You see, I said that 10 minutes ago. Dude, I'm just paying it off to the people that took the time to text us from me. You may be the host of the show, but I'm Ed McMahon, okay? So you relax, Johnny Carson. Here we go. Jay from Atlantic City wrote a novel. And if you're doing that with your thumbs, this is a lot. All right, well, don't read the whole thing straight through. Let me address these things. In, in uh, Go ahead. Yes, pause at the appropriate places. Are we finally done, Mike? Are we finally done with giving Dallas the benefit of the doubt and just assuming that they are going to make it work when they never do and haven't done in almost 30 years? <laughs> I know Dallas I, haters. I <laughs> am at fault for that. I give them way too much credit because they have the most talent, but they are the most poorly coached team, and I've been saying this for years. If those of you who listen understand what I'm talking about. They were the worst coach team under Garrett and somehow they got even worse. They found a guy who was worse. Now, Dan Quinn's a good coach. They are well coached on the defensive side of the ball. Here's their problem. They neglected every problem they had in the offseason. They let Cooper, they traded him away. They let the offensive line fall apart. This is a prime example, too, of a team that does draft well. The Joneses are nepotism to the extreme. They are the American nepotism dream right there. Unqualified to run an NFL franchise. But they do draft well. I will give them credit for that. But they don't know how to do anything else. They don't know how to run a roster. They don't know how to manage a cap. They do not know what they are doing. And because of it, this is the answer. You have a quarterback who's been injury prone. He had the ankle problem. He got hurt two years ago. What do they do? They didn't have a quarterback on their roster until Friday to back them up. Cooper Rush. You have (laughs) wide receiver issues all over the place. And they did nothing but trade Amari Cooper away. That's what their answer was. Their offensive line, all sorts of problems. Now, they've done a good job in getting talent. On the defense, mm-hmm. Parsons is a fine. Yeah. Obviously, Diggs has been a fine. They've got some other pieces there, but Randy Gregory left. They had some issues um, up front yesterday too. I think they're just until Jones is out of there, they are going to be the ultimate disappointment. There you go. And the rest of that was just that this person actually likes Dak and Parsons from Penn State. Me too. Monster and says though I'm ready for people to stop being so delusional. The other three teams in the NFC East yesterday looked like they would absolutely blow this version of the Dallas team out of the water. I hope they do. That's Listen, Jay in Atlantic City. Jay in Atlantic City. Good text. They have no weapons. 
I said it all offseason. I'm not sure that C.D. Lamb can be the A number one guy and carry an offense all by himself. And uh, yesterday was didn't make me feel any better if uh, if I felt that way. I still feel that way. There you go. Uh, Mike, a win is a win is a win. A win on the road in the NFL is great. This is Phil. A quick, quick question, though. It seems like on every single hurt slide, he got landed on or hit, not even including the personal foul and the helmet-to-helmet play that everybody saw. I realize it's tough for a defender to hold up, but that many hits, that seems avoidable. What are your thoughts? Should some of those other hits maybe be personal fouls? Uh, there are a lot of slides, right? And him sliding and guys falling on top of him. Uh, you know, some of that stuff, it's like... You hate when they call it because it's so ticky-tack, right? Mm-hmm. The one hit that he took yesterday, there was like two hits that I thought that he took that he probably didn't need to take in the 17 runs. He, I, don't, I mean, he, he did get down a lot. Remember Mike Vick didn't know how to slide? At all. like do like face-first you know, slides. Or Carson Wentz would expose himself to uh, injury because he just he was trying to be the yeah. hero or trying at to least get hurts too like, much. At least Hurts like knows how to like protect himself uh mike in memora wants to clarify his spread the ball around comment he says what he was getting at is that he's concerned if the offense relies on the one act show aj brown of course don't fix what ain't broke but he wants to know if hertz can read the other looks because that was a problem for him last season i don't know we'll have to find out right yes i think yesterday was a byproduct of you're gonna give me this i'll take it but it's a fair question the way he, he the way that he asked that question right. is okay, this guy's open and you're finding him. What happens if he's not open? Is Hertz equipped to find the, the, his second read? That's a fair question. Yeah, he colored that one up a little bit. Uh, Jamie in EHT uh, likes to come back at you. He said, Thursday, when you were doing the point spreads with PT, you said the 49ers wouldn't make the playoffs. But then on Friday, while you were talking to Jeff, you said the 49ers are contenders. No, never. That's what Jamie well, thinks Jamie he said. heard wrong. You know I've been saying this the whole time. I know. I, no, Jeff said he thinks the, they're contenders. There you go. Not me. No, there. I have said pretty steadfast, I do not like Lance. I do not have them. We do who's in, who's out on Tuesday. We did the preseason edition. I do not have them in the playoffs. I The point spread thing, he's accurate. I am yeah. not a fan of them. And, no, I have I have said all offseason, the, the, the kid Lance, I just don't like. I, I mean, personally, I don't know the kid at all in terms of his personality. Or, I just didn't like the move. They had a guy who took him to the Super Bowl, got him to the NFC Championship game, and went with a guy, quite frankly, I listened to Greeny today, and I agree with him. Justin Fields is a better – they should have taken Fields instead of Lance. And I don't think Trey Lance is ready to take the keys of a Lamborghini. That roster's pretty good. The quarterback's not. So, Adam, sorry, Jamie, I think you heard me wrong. Uh, Josh Allen took 11 hits. This is from our Josh. 11 hits with the Bills' win on Thursday Night Football. Hertz took five quarterback hits in the Eagles' win yesterday. So if we're trying to say too many hits, uh, nobody's complaining about Josh Allen because they tore up the Rams on Thursday Night Football, right, MG? I mean, it's it's all relative. Yes, you get concerned, but it's all relative for sure. That's the style of play you're going to have to deal with all year long now. Right. Yeah, very much so. I mean, look, you, you can't uh, be upset at the guy. He used his legs to he used his legs and his arm to win the game yesterday, and then you can't say, well, he's using his legs too much. Do you want to win? You got to win. Hey, the uh, Sports Bash is brought to you by the Gallery Bar Book and Games. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar Book and Games inside Ocean Casino Resort this football season. 
Cheers to your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the gallery. That's where we are. Inside Ocean Casino Resort to go for the win. If you want more information, visit theoceanac.com. You must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, when we come back, we will uh, take a deeper look into what happened this weekend. What are some of the concerns that are legitimate concerns? And what are some of the things that are a little frivolous? Plus, text message 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. What's the biggest story in the NFC East yesterday outside of Dak Prescott's injury? Because that's the biggest story. You lose the quarterback oh, for yeah. six to eight weeks. That's the biggest story. But other than that, what was the biggest NFC East story? Is it the Eagles scoring 38? Is it the Giants winning the game in the opener for the first time since 2016? Is it Carson Wentz throwing for four touchdown passes yesterday? There's others. We can get into all that. More sports bash coming up live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games here at Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. It was packed in this joint yesterday. It was packed here for the noon games or the 1 o'clock games and the uh, 4 o'clock games. It was packed here. So... Make sure you put it in your calendar to come out here for an NFL Sunday or even a college football Saturday. Alabama, Texas, what a great game that was. A lot of good college games on Saturday. We got more sports bash coming up here on 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to more on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey sports leader. All right, sports bash live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Pete live. The Gallery Bar Book and Games. You know, uh, I got to thank you people at the Gallery Bar Book and Games here at Ocean. Had dinner at uh, Villain and Saints on Friday night. Oh, yes. How was that? Big fan. I love Villain and Saints. Right. Got after it a little? Uh, Not necessarily, but they had a nice little band playing. Yeah, a couple pops. Diana Ross was here. I know. I mean, that was the big attention, right? I saw a lot of posts about that, too. I think, like, you know, where were you? We're at September 11th, September 12th. We're second week of September. We're in a, or a situation where, you know, it changes a little bit, right? Yeah. But the football being here is like Christmas, Hanukkah, and New Year's all wrapped up in one. I'm so dang excited about NFL football being back. Yeah, so uh, thanks to the people at Ocean. Yeah, we met up for dinner at Villain and Saints Friday night. Watched the band, a little live music. Good night. Like that. Very nice. Looking Good forward for to uh, November. I had a nice night as well. Yes, November we are seeing. Oh, i got to ask you about this. What? Oh. I saw you tweet at Craig Ferguson today. <laughs> number one, were you expecting to get a response? And number two, it seemed like you were kind of busting his stones a little bit. Well, the you way know, you, you, a, you a presented tweet, the- Well, kind of like you. Like, you text me sometimes to get a response out of me, and it pisses me off because I think you're angry at me and then you just tweet back like a smiley emoji like no i just wanted a response and i got what i wanted i was tweeting at craig ferguson basically one of his running bits back in the day was drink your tea mother he used to say that because if you were prince charles like charles is like come on man i can't believe that like my mother is still around am i ever gonna inherit the throne am i ever gonna move up and be king and that was like a thing he did on the cbs show for years okay so I thought with the queen passing, you know, may she rest in peace, I thought that maybe he would at least acknowledge it some way, somehow, in his act. Did I expect a response from him? Yes, I did. And just because I don't have one immediately doesn't mean that he may not still respond. So you think Craig Ferguson's going to respond to your tweet? Maybe. Okay. And, if, and if he doesn't, life goes on. 
I responded to someone on the text message board here, and they were very excited and said, hey, thank you so much. I've never gotten a text back before. Love the show. I try to respond to people. Yeah, you respond to them on the air. You, the only time, I don't think you type a lot of stuff back. Yeah, once in a while. Yeah, if you're mad at them, you'll type stuff back. Or if you think they're wrong, you'll type back really fast. I see that. I, um, I'm talking to you, Mr. 305. I'm trying to multitask, <laughs> PT. When I'm on remote, it's hard. Multitask? You know I can't multitask. I can barely task. I know. Well, so you were telling me, uh, by the way, I, I got another bone to pick. But oh, boy. You were telling Wait, me off the air about your. What was the first bone? What? What was the first bone? That wasn't really a bone. It was a story that I, I saw you tweet at Craig Ferguson. Oh, okay. And I was really asking whether or not you were anticipating a response. Well, generally, when you tweet at someone, you do expect a response back from no. them. Well, who do you tweet at that you... Well, I mean, if you if you if if I tweeted to Joel Embiid, I'm not ex- anticipating him responding. If the tweet says, hey, at Joel Embiid, you think that you might get something back. No. My tweet said, hey, I at have Craig no, Ferguson. I have no anticipation that I'm going to get a response. Well, it depends on what you put in there. You know, mine was very specific to a very specific reference of something that he's done for 15 years. And mind you, I've tweeted at Craig Ferguson before and gotten a response. Really? Yes. Like your buddies. Put that in your uh, dictionary. Yeah. Well, how many uh, followers does he have? Way more than the PT. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I'm surprised that he actually responded. Sometimes he Now, does. the way that you phrased it seemed like you were taking a shot at him. Why? That's just the way I took it. It was uh, sort of a behind-the-scenes... Like, oh, or his death not funny. No, no, no. It was a behind-the-scenes question. It was like, uh, I'm not a comedian. I mean, I look funny, but I I'm know, not but a comedian. I'm saying, if I read it and I was him, I'd be like, who's this guy? No, it, I was trying to ask... Was it a conscious decision on his part to leave out that bit, yeah. that line, or was it, you know, I just was offering up perhaps the solution of why he didn't say it. What was your second thing? Uh, what happened to your toothbrush? My arms are getting crossed now. You're, you're, uh, you're stepping on my nerve. Um, I left my toothbrush. I stayed overnight at a property in AC, and I left my toothbrush in the room. And? Well, it's not. Can like, you get it back? It's not just a Colgate-like plastic-like little toothbrush. It's a Sonicare. It's okay. a nice brush. Yeah, you spent some money on that. Plus, I left fifteen dollars for the housekeeping staff with a note that said thanks. Oh, I always tip the housekeeping right, staff. Right, but I'm saying so. You left the tip, but you forgot your toothbrush. Yes. You would think that because of the tip, they would say, "Hey, I might get it back." Right. Now I don't know yet if I'm going to get it back yet. I got to go over there. I've been trying to call the lost and found line, and I might as well be trying to call the White House. No, actually, the White House operator's answer. I might as well be trying to call, you know, East Jupiter. I, I can't get an answer. So you think hopefully. you're going to get it back? What's the better possibility of Craig Ferguson put responding up, look, to the tweet yeah, sure. or getting the put, toothbrush put back? Put this on a poll. Look, Michael. You know my girlfriend's son, Michael. Yeah. He works in like maintenance slash housekeeping slash right. He's you know at the state park. You left the housekeeper a tip of 15 bucks she better give you the toothbrush well that's back. what i said to michael yesterday because he said oh you're not getting that i think back. that's a generous he, tip. he said you know how much stuff we throw how many out? nights did you stay there one that's a generous tip for one night well you know it was their money i mean i want some money okay right so i might as well re-gift it or pay it forward to the hard work after you lost some on friday <laughs> well um i'm even or i'm actually up slightly nice like, just a little bit just a wee so yeah, I gotta stop telling you about my gambling habits because you know you, you twist that around like you're my parent or something. You know, I asked I don't know 15 people if they wanted to be in the block pool. You were the only one that uh, said no. Is that supposed to make me feel guilty? No, but the fact that I said, 
Hey, PT, you want to be in the block pool? In the middle of a show for something like, I, I, again, I can't multitask. Perhaps if you had asked me at a different time. Possible. When I was not, like, hair on fire for me. No, because your response was, ah, I probably shouldn't be doing that right now. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And then he texts me, hey, I lost $150 gambling. All right. I, so, I so you had money for that. That's right, and you re- threw that right back it at It was me. all for a good cause. Aren't you younger than me? Don't you get tired of being like the adult in this pairing? <laughs> <laughs> now, my other one was, I'm driving in the car yesterday. Oh, boy. And I'm listening to the locker room. Right. And they bring up the whole fantasy football thing. That you know, Josh, that weasel back there. Oh, yeah. You know, he acted all tough when weasel, he was on the radio when I wasn't there. Like, yeah. my guilt. I said, wait a second. I wanted to call in and explain yeah. myself. I never he actually. He did that at the 6 o'clock hour with his guest. No, yesterday. No, but he also did it with the 6. He had a national guest on Friday oh. night in the 6 o'clock hour. That's where it all originates yeah. from. The guy that he had on at, in, his, in the show, 6 Right, well, the way that Josh presented yeah. it was a complete misrepresentation of what I said, and that's the problem I had with it. Well, don't pick the bone with me, then. Pick the bone with Well, the you were there that. yesterday. What are you talking about? I was just pushing buttons, making sure people were on. I didn't. Did you hear me talk a lot yesterday? No, but I there wish that go. that would have been the spot where you would have stepped in and said, well, 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 oh, wait a minute. Boy, here we go. I'm a bad friend because I didn't defend your honor. Just like the fun. night you didn't text me when <laughs> you should have said, hey, man, the draft has started. Where are you at? You guys are unbelievable. That, that's a, right. I'm a right? horrible friend. You're right. I should have texted you that the draft was starting, even though we told you when you walked out of the studio, draft tonight. It's not our fault. I, you're the adult. I just said you're the adult this pairing, and now you're acting like a child. No. All I said was, listen, I didn't say you should or whose fault it was. All I said was you would think that the league, and this is where it's like, okay, it's a $20 league. Maybe it doesn't mean all that much to people. In a money, a high-stakes situation, the integrity of the draft is everything. And people would say we're not starting the draft unless we hear Yay or nay from everybody. Like, if I would have said ahead of time, right. hey, I'm not going to be there tonight. I'm going to auto-draft. That is one thing. But if I intended to be there, which you told me the time, I admit that I got the time. I totally forgot. But that is when you say, hey, man, he said he was going to be here. Let me check in on him. And, just and that's what I was people. disappointed about, that that has not been portrayed. I know this. I just want to put my two cents in again of saying that I w- had a text composed and ready Should've to send said. to you. No, Michael, my girlfriend's son, who I do listen to sometimes, just like I sometimes listen to you, said maybe he's doing it on purpose. And that was the first time I thought about it. I thought, you know what? I would not put it past and I would responded out of PT. protest to say I this responded. league is not worth my time. I would have responded with that. I'm not drafting. Go ahead without me. That's what I would have said. You would have responded, PT, I'm not a moron. Of course, I know the draft is going on right now. That's what you would have said. That's what I feared you would say, so I didn't bother to text you. Well, I was very, very disappointed Do with the way. Do you want Josh to address sure. this? Uh, Mr. Sure. I see him back there waiting, but... I'm I'm sitting here. You guys are going back and forth. You know, you're volleying back and forth. We have we have a 20-second, you know, series of tennis, you know, going back and forth here. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I think Gil thinks he won, but he lost in my opinion. Well, I don't I don't think anybody won or lost. I don't think there is any that per se. <laughs> it's not my job to text Mike Gill and tell him the draft is on. I didn't say it was anybody's job. 
I didn't say it was anybody's job to remind me or tell me. All I said was, if it were me, I would have said, hey, I think Pete wants to be at the draft. I'm going to make sure that he's in the room. If he doesn't want to be there, that's up to him at that point. But I'm at least going to reach out to say, hey, Pete, the draft is starting. Do you want to draft or not? That's all. You don't have to be that kind of person. That's how I would have handled it. That's all. I would have said if I was Josh, I would have said, listen, the draft is starting. Not everybody's here. I know Gil didn't want to do that. Let me just make sure he's drafting or if he's deciding not to draft. You shoot out the text, and I respond, hey, man, I totally forgot I'm going to jump in the draft room. That's what would have happened. I said at 9 o'clock I felt terrible that I wasn't in the draft, but I also felt how could nobody reach out and tell me? That's all. I didn't blame anybody. I just said how I would have handled it. To which I get back to I said on Thursday and I said on Friday, on this show and on my show, because when Andy brought Oh, I listened up, yesterday. I heard what you said, and you were way off base. What exactly did I say yesterday that was wrong? Because honestly, I don't remember what I even said yesterday. All right. Well, I, just the Irish eyes are smiling and, and ears let, are listening. But why don't you repeat what I said yesterday that was wrong? I did. You said, Mike Gill <laughs> says you, that, he, that you should... Reach out, and I didn't say that you should. I just said what I would have done. That's all. Well, I didn't say it was. Well, hold on. Doesn't doesn't saying what you would have done infer that someone else should do something? No, not necessarily. Doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just telling people how I would have handled it. That's all. I didn't say it's that I'm right or wrong. I just said I would want everybody there drafting. I want the whole league to be whole. And if somebody says, "Listen, I'll be in the league." But I can't make the draft. If I know that ahead of time, that's on me as the commissioner. And I say, okay, well, we need people. I'm going to put you in the league anyway. I never said I was not planning on drafting. Well, don't worry. You only need 26 points from Brandon McManus tonight to pull off a shocking (laughs) upset win. (laughs) But my bigger point. I don't even know who's on my team. My my bigger point I said last week was, and. You know, Andy took one position on this, which what ignited Billy to want to talk about it. Oh, gosh. And, Pete, you heard the same thing that Andy said on my show on Friday. My bigger point is this. I made the mistake, and this is where I am going to continue to admit my own responsibility. I saw that your thing didn't show auto-pick in the first round. It went all 60 seconds with your pick. So I assumed, wrongly, obviously, that... You were there because it went a full minute before it gave your auto pick because you weren't there as you explained. My issue before the draft was there were three other members of the league that no one has asked me to announce on the air who they were that I was trying to get them in before the draft. Well, I wasn't time. at the draft. How would I know these three other people weren't there? All I know is this. I'm not admitting anything. All I did was draft my team, and I did have a text composed and didn't send it. I'll admit that. I had a text composed. I watched your clock go down because your pick was either you were either ahead of it. I think I picked 10th, and you picked, what, 7th? Mike, Mike was 6th. Casey Joyner was 5th. There you go. So, right. So I watched all the picks with interest because I wanted to know who was coming off the right. board. We all you're... saw the 60-second yeah. countdown. Right. And now... Again, it should have been 90, but that's not important right now. Okay, well, again, I had changed the time because in the past, people had complained the draft was taking too long. So I sent a blast message two years ago saying, do we want me to change it? And only half the league at the time responded, so I made the change. 
I stopped doing the blast messages because people just were ignoring everything I was saying. So I made the decision that I'm going to only send an email. I will contact people individually. And that's it. Now, if that's a wrong decision by me, I'll accept that. I don't care. I make mistakes. I got this text message. If you're listening to this tennis volley, I got to agree with Mike. That guy is the the judge and the jury right there. Really? Yeah. Let's see what this uh, says here. Dude, you guys screwed Mike Gill over. The jury has spoken. (laughs) Uh, Here, Literally every single person that I have told this story to, I haven't had one person disagree with me. Now, again, most of the people that I'm friends with are heavy into these fantasy leagues and understand what I'm talking about. Like, they take it serious. Like, if a guy's not at the draft, we're not starting that draft until that guy gets there. To the point, I told you, I'm not even in this one draft, and people called me to try to get this guy into the draft room. They would they waited an hour and a half to start the draft until the draft was full. That's just the, yeah. the way that I've done fantasy leagues in the past. Like, we would never start a draft until everyone was accounted for. That's all. Maybe other people are different. That's all I'm saying. Now, does this mean you're going to hold back your money? Someone has to reach out to Mike in that situation. It's his fault for forgetting. Uh, I, I admit Someone that. has to shoot out the courtesy test. Yo, the text. Yo, Mike, you drafting. It's that easy. Exactly. That's kind of paraphrases what my text was. Are you? Uh, I literally texted on my phone without hitting send. Are you on auto draft on purpose? Question mark. And was about to hit send. Yeah. Until my girlfriend's son talked me out of it. Yeah. And I will. I will again, as I said Thursday and Friday say that I was wrong in assuming that because the countdown clock went from all 60 seconds, that that meant that you were there. That's bad by me. Now, again, I got to figure out how to do this the best way next year because I spent 30 minutes of my time before 8 p.m. trying to make sure three other people were in the league. Well, next year now, I'm going to tell you I'm not going to do it. After this year, I did it just to make sure the league was saved, and then nobody thought to tell me about it. Shows me you didn't really want to see. No, no, we told you. Pete just mentioned before you left that evening, he reminded you, hey, draft tonight, 8 o'clock. Hey, listen, I had a video meeting today with somebody, and I had an alert on my phone to give me a 10-minute reminder. The alert popped up. And I still miss the, the meeting. So I got a couple of things that are going on generally that I'm like, all right, if you just would have sent me a text, I would have. So the alert, the alert even didn't get you today for your meeting. That's that that's no. interesting. I, I mean, look, we all miss things. We miss alarms. We miss stuff. I, I get that. That that's fine. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, I feel like we told you. Uh, maybe we should have texted you too. All right, uh, texters six zero nine four zero three zero nine seven three. That's fine. But yeah, uh, I think you got to have some ownership in that as well. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. We got uh, Mosher today for football at 4. Mm-hmm. Now, Mosher, we'll see if he's in the panic department or if he's in the, hey, it was game one, week one department. I'd expect he's more rational, I would think. <laughs> Sports Bash brought to you by the Gallery Bar, Book, and Games. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar, Book, and Games inside Ocean Casino Resort this football season. Cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the gallery inside Ocean Casino Resort, where we are right now, to go for the win. For more information, visit theoceanac.com. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? 
call 1-800-GAMBLE. I like this guy. He says it's actually Pete's girl's son's fault. <laughs> Pete had good intentions. Uh, that'll be the first time ever that Michael gets called out on the text message. All right, more sports bash coming up. Now, back to the spree ESPN. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. So earlier, PT, I told you about the uh, CM Punk right. uh, thing. Where right. I kind of went off on the people that run this, uh, what is it, AE something? AEW okay. is the name of the promotion. So people use the bite. We have the bite. We had to clean it up because he uses some four-letter words. <laughs> he So just picture what he says here. And insert Aaron Rodgers after that game yesterday. Take a listen. I'm sorry if I'm a little snippy. Just fine. I'm fine. hurt and I'm old and I'm tired. I totally and I work with children. <laughs> that's outstanding. That yeah. And if you had Aaron Rodgers' face over top of that, that's right. exactly probably how Aaron Rodgers feels right now. Yeah. I mean, the throw he makes to Watson is right in the breadbasket. And he misses it. You would think Devontae Adams would have made that catch. You would think. Right? You know? Uh, they looked very pedestrian yesterday. They didn't look closer. Did Tunyon have any catches yesterday? Is he playing right now? Like, I mean, where? I know they don't have a lot of weapons, but, you know, who's he throwing the ball to? Well, Lazard's out. I mean, I saw Randall Cobb, I think, led the team in, in uh, targets. I He was up there in targets yesterday. And Randall Cobb's got to be, what, 35, 36, maybe older. Um, yeah, they just are a team. I, I picked Minnesota to win that division in my who's in, who's out. And, um, well, they whipped them yesterday. Minnesota was my was my best bet. I tweeted that out yesterday at Mike Gill Show. Uh, now, I lost my – we all lost the uh, survivor pool, yeah, we except gotta, for Josh. We Josh was that out. Josh the, 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 the lone survivor. So Josh gets a free dinner. Josh can get a credit here at the bar booking games. That's what we'll give him. I would like sushi, gentlemen. Sushi he wants. There's a sushi place here, isn't there? I'm sure. Yeah. Noodle bar? Uh, that's not here. There's a noodle bar here. Swing and a miss. Four o'clock. It's not called the noodle bar. It serves noodles. No, there's a place called that. Here? At another, no, at another establishment. There's something here that I saw people that said something, something noodle bar. You've dug deep enough, PT. Oh, jeez. More sports bash coming up. Four o'clock hours. Football at four. Jeff Mosher from InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Birds podcast is coming up next. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Jeff Mosher. I think our track record in the last 20 years, how many NFC's titles, playoff appearances, and appearances in the NFC Championship game, those are some of the metrics I look at, and um, I'll compare our record with uh, almost anybody. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. This is Football at Four. And Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. We are live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games on this Monday. It is a Mosher Monday from Inside the Birds podcast and InsideTheBirds.com. You saw yesterday the Inside the Birds pregame show and the Inside the Birds postgame show. You can check that out on their social media channels before and after every Eagles game. And, of course, the podcast uh, is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Jeff Mosher here for football at 4. And, of course, the overreactions are coming in. And people, oh, the sky is falling down. How do you give up 35 points to the Detroit Lions, Jeff Mosher? So let's start 
with the, that side of the ball. The defense yesterday, giving up 35, um, is that a cause for concern? Or is this, hey, this Detroit team uh, did some good things and, and they should be commended for it? Or was it more, I don't like what the Eagles did? Yeah, I mean, both, right? I mean, th- there's certainly a cause of concern. I think anybody who watched the game and has eyes saw that they did not tackle very well. I think people also wonder why... Um, when you're getting a team running all over you, why you wouldn't have your best run personnel in the game all the time. Jordan Davis obviously drafted as someone who should stop the run. I think where we talk about the difference between concern over what happens in week one versus concern for the long term is yet to be seen. So there are certain things that happen in week one that are mind-boggling and draw overreactions. You saw my tweet earlier, Mike. I saw you retweeted it. The the Packers and Titans were both number one seeds last year. They both lost in week one by double digits. I guarantee you there was panic after those two losses, you know, last year after week one about what would happen. And they both wound up running the, winning the, the top seeds in their respective conferences. So will this be the same run defense the next week, the next week, the next week? Can't tell you. I have, I have, a, I have a feeling coaches are going to try to figure some of that stuff out. However, we did see certain things last year, whether it was on offense or defense, that were prolonged, that needed to be fixed, that didn't get fixed, you know, maybe as soon as we would have liked them to be fixed. So the answers to those questions can only come by next Monday night and then after and then after. Yeah, I was going to add, you know, on defense specifically first, things that happened yesterday that might continue to happen. Were were there some things that you're like, "Eh, I don't know that they can fix this? Or were a lot of their mistakes fixable? I think tackling always is bad. Uh, they always say week one is now the fourth preseason game. So I think if you watched a lot of football, you know, around the league the last few days, you probably noticed some teams tackled well, some teams didn't. And there's some teams won yesterday and played well that did nothing in training camp, just like the Eagles did. So I don't even know if there's a correlation because I know a lot of people are saying, well, that's what happens when you don't have a hard training camp and you don't do this, you don't do that. Some teams are the same way as the Eagles and and fared fine. But it is September. It is common to see not great tackling. And then the Eagles did play a structure of defense where a lot of times they're throwing a lot of uh, second-level players on the field, corners, safeties. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson now all of a sudden is a safety. Um, He missed some tackles. Thought Maddox missed some tackles. I thought Marcus Epps made an amazing tackle in the first quarter. He came from about 20 yards away and blew somebody up right at the line of scrimmage, but he missed some tackles too. And remember, there are new starters in the secondary. So I can't promise anybody that it's going to get better, but I can all, I can say I'm sure they'll work on it, and I imagine that the coaches will try to do a few different things next time they're getting the ball ran on them like that to be more prepared for it. Jeff Mosher's with us, football at four, Eagles, Lions, 38-35. My word, Jeff, has been that the Eagles – survive uh, why so much of josh sweat and reddick in coverage instead of them uh, pursuing the quarterback that's a big question on this monday i don't know if it's an overreaction question but it's a question of why they drop back in coverage instead of doing what eagles fans love to see which is take down that qb yeah no, that's an interesting schematic question pete that we've talked about on inside the birds adam and i a lot which is the the idea of that you're you're using an overhang player now um in hassan reddick and then also you're turning Josh Sweat into a similar type of overhang player so that you can stand them up and look multiple, and that's wonderful. But they're really pass rushers by nature. 
Hassan Reddick does have experience in coverage, but the reason why they turned him into a pass rusher in Arizona and then Carolina did the same thing is because he's not very good in coverage. Hmm. However, if you call them pass rushers, what happens when the offense comes out, the, again, the opposing offense comes out in like kind of a run package, so you think Hassan Reddick is just going to be the extra run defender, but then they're play-actioning or they're passing anyway out of a run formation. Well, then those guys have to drop because you can't have five guys running at the quarterback when it's a run play or you can't have five guys running at the quarterback if it's play action because that leaves a void on the in the uh, flats and in uh, carrying the wheel routes and those are areas that you saw the Lions were able to target at times with either their running backs catching passes or TJ Hawkinson and that's because <laughs> you saw, on a couple occasions you saw Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick kind of roaming out there taking up space but not really knowing what they're doing they do have to figure that out I, I tend to think that the number of times we saw that was not as much as it seemed. It just seemed that when you did see that, it was a bad play and it sticks out more. Yeah, in math, Jeff, they always say sample size, right? You know, I mean, yeah, you, you guys, and this is what you do so well at Inside the Birds, is break this stuff down, rehash it, analyze it, look at it, uh, you know, talk about it and discuss it and move on. I guess my, my other thing that I, I wanted to get into a little bit was the news today about Derek Barnett. How does that impact the D-line rotation moving forward? Because uh, if you just simply, if you're me, and you just go to a depth chart and you look, okay, one, two, uh, wait a second, there's not a lot of names back there behind. Uh, how does that impact the D-line and the rotation? Yeah, it's it's. It, I think it's more significant than it might seem at face value, Pete. Because although he was technically, you know, if you just go by defensive end, he's third on the depth chart, right? You've got well, maybe fourth actually. You have Sweat. You have no third Sweat. You have Der, uh, the Brandon Graham, and you have Derek Barnett. But as far as edge rusher, it's more like fourth because Hassan Reddick is also an edge rusher. So he's really fourth, but he does play some important hand-in-the-dirt type um, snaps on at defensive end. Um, he was out there. And now that he's gone, Teron Jackson, who's a second-year player and um, a six-round pick, who I, li- I thought he had a good camp, actually. So no, 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 nothing bad that he's now number three there at defensive end and maybe fourth in pass rusher. But that just leaves you thin at the only position. And this is a surprise. I can't remember the last time we said the Eagles were thin at defensive end, but they really are. It's because of the addition of the strong side linebacker, who's also a pass rusher, they allowed themselves to be a little bit thinner at hand-in-dirt defensive end. But the weird thing is they didn't keep any of them on the practice squad, right? So they've got two spots open on the on the 53. I imagine at least one of them is going to have to go to some kind of defensive end out there. Jeff, uh, I likened, like, Gannon, who I did not think had a good game yesterday. I did not like the game plan. To being a kid on Christmas who gets a new toy, tries to rip Mm -hmm. it open, and then wants to play with it right away before reading the instructions. Do we get a sense that he really needs to learn Reddick and Jordan Davis and how to incorporate these guys a little better? Or was it disappointing to see how he implemented them? I mean, yeah, I mean, he had like all... OTAs, all training camp to figure out what he could do with Jordan Davis or anybody, Hassan Reddick. But I think you're right in that there was a mismatch. It seemed like he was way more aggressive up front. I mean, you saw some pretty intricate blitzes that we did not see last year. Uh, you know, Avante Maddox blitzing. I mean, we saw some really interesting things from a uh, pressure standpoint, but from a back end standpoint, which is what he emphasizes so much, confusing a quarterback, changing your coverages, post-snap movement. 
I don't think there was a whole lot of that. And then couple that with the fact that they didn't get a whole lot of pressure on Jared Goff, it made it a little bit easier for Goff to figure out where he wanted to go with the football. And I don't know if enough people are talking about this, and I'm not trying to be a negative guy. I, you know, it's always great to win. But would the Lions drop, like, six passes yesterday? I mean, th- there were about six drops by the Lions that could have changed the game. And also, there were about three or four bad passes from Jared Goff that, you know, when you're facing Kirk Cousins or somebody who's a little more accurate and strong-armed, uh, you- you're going you're gonna to feel the effects of that. Jeff, one of the narratives going in, Jeff Mosher with us, football at four. One of the narratives going in was how banged up the Lions offensive line was, but they, they seemed to dominate at uh, times up front. Was that something you expected, or were you surprised by that? Well, I didn't think, I mean, the, the fact that Ragnow, their center, who's a good player, played really helped them. Um, the right guard, Big V, was out, and then his backup was out, so they were on a, on a backup right guard. Uh, the the coaches great. made a... Third string, yeah, third string right guard. The coaches had made a, a a big deal. I'm talking about the Lions coaches uh, last week in their press conferences to talk about how much better Penny Sewell was at this time than he was at this time last year, transitioning to right tackle. Um, Decker's been a good left tackle. I, I don't think it's a great offensive line. I think it gets a it got a little bit more love than I than I thought in the preseason than it would, but good enough to get the job done. Uh, they certainly were able to pick up what the Eagles were doing. And it's a little concerning that, that the Eagles, who are supposed to be strong up front, did not get that much pressure on, on Jared Goff. And then conversely, you know, the Eagles' offensive line, I thought early in the game, I mean, they looked like they had, they looked like they had not been together for a year at all. I mean, keep in mind, this is the same offensive line last year. They looked like they had never played together. Um, I, I guess it's a byproduct maybe of not playing in the preseason at all, but. Um, I thought they settled in and kind of took back over in that game. But uh, overall, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they put up 44. They ran the ball all over that team last year. They didn't have the same success against this defensive front as they did last year. That's for sure. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, so here's what I am. You know, obviously the All-22 isn't out yet, but I have been able to watch the first half. I, I pay attention to offense, and what I feel like what what happened. Obviously, the Lions sent a tremendous amount of pressure, and it wasn't just like we're going to put six guys and rush them. I mean, they stunted, they twisted, they disguised their blitz. They would overload one side, drop those guys, blitz from the other. That's the kind of stuff that, as you mentioned, Mike, requires a lot of communication, and also can take you by surprise at times. They call them unscouted looks. So uh, Aiden Hutchinson, it was their first time facing him. Of course, they know he's the number one pick, but you don't really know. You don't have any NFL tape of him. You only have college tape. And I'm not sure Michigan used him the way the Lions did, which is inside. That's kind of a, you know, a Brandon Graham inside defensive tackle in the pass rush. Like yeah, they Graham kept saying on the broadcast, they kept calling it that NASCAR package like the Giants. NASCAR they brought that package, up many right, times right. during the broadcast yesterday. Yeah, and, he, and that guy, I got to be, be fair, I thought he looked like he played like he was shot out of a cannon. So he looks like he's going to be um, a pretty relentless player for them. And he gave uh, Sayamalo a little bit of trouble. He gave Mailata a little bit of trouble in pass protection. And then, like you were mentioning, I just think that there were a lot of times that the Lions either brought more than five or made the appearance that they were going to bring more than five. And that throws your protection schemes into disruption for example there was one play where they brought five so it should be blocked up but they brought a a nickel cornerback from the opposite side and then dropped the linebacker who they thought there was going to blitz from the left side so the the line did their what they call the shift right you know your slide protection to the left 
but that left the cornerback from the right unaccounted for, even though it should have been five on five. And that's just good scheming by Aaron Glenn. Jeff, how about your thoughts on uh, Jalen Hurts? Because obviously he was much of the discussion in the offseason. They're only going to go as far as Jalen Hurts takes him. Uh, he ran a lot, ran 17 times. He certainly had that connection going with A.J. Brown, that, that unbelievable pass down the field to Brown. I think it was 54 yards, but he did miss on a few. What was, what was your thought, maybe your grade on Jalen Hurts overall? You know, um, having, you know, rewatched what I'm watching, uh, I really, I, I feel like when Jalen Hurts threw the ball, he made good decisions. To take that many hits and run that much, not turn the ball over, I think is very, very critical and speaks to him knowing what he wanted to do. He also knows he can get out of trouble very quickly, uh, which he did a lot of times. I think the Eagles themselves should re-examine a few things and say, maybe we could have mixed about five to seven more like conventional downhill under-center runs that might not give us a 20-yard pass or a 20-yard Jalen Hurts run, but takes a hit off of our quarterback, and our running game is good enough so that I still think we're, you know, we can still go downhill under center, put a lot of bodies there, and get five, six, seven yards um, to help keep the pressure off of our quarterback. I think we can all agree that, you know, 298 runs a year, which is what I think he's on pace for uh, after 17, is not a sustainable pace for anybody, and it's not good for anyone involved. Most a lot of people talking about, and and I'd have no problem with this at all, that he seemed locked in on Brown, and I look at it as if you're going to take, if you're going to give me Brown, I'm going to take Brown the whole day. I don't need to spread the ball around. So. Um, I, that was my thought on that in terms of not spreading the ball around was Detroit gave you no reason to spread the ball around, right? Correct. Um, I, well, sort of. The, the, it's all about really the offense the Eagles are running itself. I mean, they're running a heavily RPO offense. Um, that's usually going to involve one or two reads in the passing game if you're deciding to pass. And in the passing game, as you just mentioned, AJ Brown was open a lot. I mean, Detroit sold out. So that I don't know how many teams are going to try to rush Jalen Hurts with that many guys. Look, I do think that the blueprint is out. It went back to last year's Giants game that in order to, to the best way to try to beat this guy is to send pressure from his right side, force him to his left, and force him to make throws. Now, you can do that from zone. You can do it from man. You can pressure from a lot of different concepts. They chose, Detroit chose a lot of man defense. And A.J. Brown, as we all saw, is a man defense beater. I mean, he is a man. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of his best plays came on third down. So it's hard to fault Jalen Hurts for getting the ball to the guy who you traded a first-round pick and paid over $20 million to. But not every game, not every team is going to attack the Eagles that way. So I'm pretty confident going forward well, that we're not going to just see 20 targets for Brown and none for Devontae Smith. Right, and look, if teams defend Brown that way, you keep throwing to him. If they defend him differently, I guess the question we had from a text message earlier was, okay, if they're doubling mm-hmm. Brown, can I guess do you trust that Hurts can read that and then go to a second read and find Goddard or Smith as the open man? Yeah, and uh, you know, I think in past games we've seen. I think at, by the end of last year, you were saying we were all saying, you know what, this offense is starting to run through Dallas Goddard, right? I'm thinking about how Dallas Goddard came on at the end of last year because Devontae Smith got off to a really nice start as a wide receiver. So uh, I think again, I think Jalen Hurts when he throws the ball 
has has made good decisions on where to go with the football. He does not throw a lot of he did not throw against the Lions, I'll say. A lot of passes where you felt, ooh, you were trying to force that to a guy when it wasn't there. The one thing I would say is he has to be careful about when he wants to ditch the ball as he's running away. It's one thing when you're near the sideline and you kind of like two-hand chuck it out, but he almost got called for he should have he could have gotten called I think for intentional grounding once or twice. So he's yeah. got to be careful from that that standpoint. Yeah, um I guess the the one other thing on the offensive side of the ball um in the end, I mean Miles Sanders I thought yeah. um you can make an argument that they didn't use him enough yesterday or the run game enough yesterday. Agree. Completely agree. Uh, I think that Miles Sanders showed that he deserves And now some people say, well, he never stays healthy, so you got to keep him down to 9 and 10. But that's why you have four running backs, five running backs if you count the practice squad. I mean, you're, you're well-equipped at that, that position. So I thought Miles Sanders deserved more touches. I mean, the guy gives you the 24-yard run on what's it, fourth and one, and then when they come back to their next third and one, third and one they give the boston scott and it's like well what were you trying to confuse them i I don't know i just thought you get the most explosive element in your running game when you have boston scott i mean when you have miles sanders out there jeff did you know any of these names by the way billy ray barnes ted dean clarence peaks or theron sap from 1961 gil was talking about that earlier and i'm like who are these guys that's the last time they had four different running backs or four different guys can't say i did touchdown (laughs) Nope, nope. I, <laughs> no, I, I can't say it. I said to my dad Are yesterday. Are you guys surprised? Uh-huh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, Mike, I said ahead. to my dad yesterday, a game from the 60s. My dad said, oh, I remember the game. You know, it was 1961. <laughs> I was like, geez, I never heard of these guys. He was right on it. I'll give him two points for that. I just wanted must, to Must th- have been a really interesting game. <laughs> I just wanted to light things up for a minute while I we're think, sitting here analyzing. I think Rube Are tweeted you, that the Eagles beat the Cowboys like 41-7 to that day. Well... Anytime they beat the Cowboys like that, it's going to be memorable for uh, for everybody involved. <laughs> hey, what are you guys you... getting a lot of feedback about the like? Are people surprised about how RPO heavy the Eagles' offense was, or that it didn't look any different from what they were expecting? No, a lot I've of gotten the cr- some emails on that. A lot of the text messages today, and boy, we've gotten a ton, have mostly been about either not spreading the ball, you know, that, that, that they threw the ball to Brown so much and Smith wasn't involved. And a lot of it was a defensive-oriented. That Gannon needs to go. He didn't send enough pressure. Uh, but nothing on, on the, the, the stylistic nature of the offense. Did you see any on that? You yeah, can, I had I, some I, people. Monitor heavy, yeah. What are you getting, Jeff? Uh, it's just some people reach out and say, you know, I thought this offense was going to be a little bit more advanced. I thought Jalen Hurts was going to get to – progression number two and three a little more and i i again we're in week one may but Uh, it wasn't necessary yesterday that uh, that's true um plus when you're getting pressured that much i mean it's not like you can just stand there and be like oh you know i'm gonna go to second and third while aiden hutchinson and charles harris are breathing down my neck Mm -hmm. but I, i think people need to really understand something the offense you saw that rpo centric offense with runs by the running back runs by the quarterback the quick slants that you see if he pulls the ball is the Eagles offense. Yeah. All right. It is the Eagles offense now and going forward. It does. Well, it's not a knock on Jalen hurts. It's just that that's, they are, they have catered it to what they think he is best at. Well, that, and so the idea, I think people want this to be like the old Carson Wentz, 2017 or the Mike Vick 2000. It's, it's not going to be a conventional drop back West coast offense ever. 
With A.J. Brown, though, I mean, he wins that slant almost every single time. So you take it. Right. Right? And I thought. You take it. I thought Hertz did a good job. There was a lot of plays where he hit Brown right in stride, and Brown caught it and just kept on going. He didn't have to stop. He didn't have to go behind him. I thought Hertz and Brown had a nice – and look, he threw the ball to Smith, hit him right between the numbers. Well, he only has one number, but it bounced (laughs) off his chest. I mean, he had four targets. If you have four catches for 57 yards at the end of the day, you had a nice day, unfortunately – a couple of the balls that were thrown to him were one was like a bubble screen that he got rushed on. So, yeah, right. I, I'm not concerned about that. Uh, the one thing I guess, what did Sirianni say today about Jordan Davis and his snaps? Because it was a clear, uh, there was two plays that Davis was in the game that stood out that he ate the running back for lunch. 2.9 yards of carry when Davis was in the game, I read. 10 yards of carry when he was not in the game. So yeah. he said rotational. What, what, I didn't, you know, I didn't hear the pressure, so I couldn't get the vibe. He was asked why Jordan Davis didn't play more, and Nick Sirianni said, "Well, we have a bunch of guys, and he's part of a rotation. He's one of our rotational guys." And um, he was followed up with a question about, "Well, didn't it seem like there was a discrepancy to you when he was on the field versus the run or off?" And he said he saw no correlation in that and some of that is a little bit fair because there were a lot of guys who i just don't think were um gap sound but you drafted the guy because he's a great run stuffing he's 340 pounds you want to play these five two fronts to get out of the run so you can force him into i mean why did it take you like three series to get him in there makes no sense to me all right unless they just don't think he can hold up Right. Jeff Mosher, Inside the Birds podcast is out with reaction. Don't forget the Inside the Birds pregame and postgame show uh, uh, with uh, Trey Thomas yesterday on the postgame. I enjoyed that. Uh, Trey came in. I said, I got a nice glass of wine, he said. I'm breaking down the film. Uh, And the pregame was really good as well. So check that out on the Inside the Birds social media platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Jeff Mosher's back on Wednesday. Adam Kaplan here tomorrow on Football at Four. Thank you, Jeff. Have a great one, Phils. Thanks, All right, Bosch. and uh, don't forget, ambient comfort heating cooling professionals, is there anything better than the beginning of football season? It's also time for you to tackle those home improvement issues that you put off during the summer, like your heating system. That's why you need to call my friends at ambient comfort heating and cooling professionals for their $79 fall, or as I call it, football season tune-up special. For new customers, for just $79, ambient comfort will check and clean your system to make sure it's safe and running at max efficiency. Prepare to get through the cold months regarding, regardless of who originally installed it. Were your bills too high last winter? Maintenance or new system from Ambient Comfort may help with rising energy costs for your family. When comfort matters, choose my friends at Ambient Comfort. Visit AmbientComfortNJ.com. That's AmbientComfortNJ.com. Or call 609-568-0955 for a $79 heater or furnace tune-up. Tell them Mike Gill sent you. All right, PT. Mike, you can hear it's heating up here. Monday Night Football tonight, Broncos, Seahawks. Sports Bash brought to you by the Gallery Bar Booking Games. Get your game on right here at the Gallery Bar Booking Games inside Ocean Casino Resort this football season. Cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the Gallery inside Ocean Casino Resort to go for the win. If you want more information, visit theoceanac.com. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem, call one. All right, the report card is out in about 20 minutes. We'll talk to Scott Grayson from Fox 29. Grayson's grades are posted, but when we come back, 
What were some of the headline stories of week one in the NFL? That's next. Now, three ESPN. All right, 432, Scott Grayson's grades at 445 today. Who passed, who failed, and the Eagles win. Can you believe they won, PT, and people are acting like, ah, I'm not all that impressed. <laughs> I mean, you know, 38-35, just stay alive. I can't say it enough. Like, they'd survive, right? I mean, look, you and I didn't do so well in our picking of survivors, right? I mean, no. That's, that's the name of the game. I like Josh's tweet. He did his accountability tweet. I did, too. I, I did uh, my best bet was the Vikings. I lost my... Survivor pick the Bengals. And not, not the Browns, who I was thinking of earlier. I misspoke. So. I said keep an eye on Jacksonville. They did not cover. I also bet the Eagles first half, two and a half. That was what uh, I had a good um like a six or five team. I saw parlor, that yeah. tweet. I saw your it had green check, green check, green check, green check. Now yeah. the point you didn't put on I wanted how much you won. Like, Don't worry about it, PT. I wanna know. I also, Josh, minds want to know. I bet Fresno State and the kicker missed the extra point. <laughs> and I lost because That's of that. That's a bad They beat. scored yeah. with no time left on the clock to win the game. Oregon State <laughs> did. And I stayed up till 2.15 in the morning to watch it. Right. And had to wait to the last freaking play. See, that's the worst. You have the bet. You're waiting up all night, and then it, and you're like, "Come on, man!" It was the first time Oregon State has ever won at Fresno ever. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. All right. What do you got? Uh, I got a few different things here. I want to just first of all uh, remind the audience who didn't hear that Derek Barnett he's pretty much done for the year with the torn Achilles. I thought it was interesting that Mike K put out on Twitter. Someone asked him who's available. Do any of these three names... ACL, by the way. It's an ACL. ACL, I'm sorry. Uh, do any of these three names appeal to you guys for fill-ins at defensive end? Because they don't to me. Apparently, Jason Pierre-Paul, Alex Okafor, and Tim Ward are available. <laughs> no, they have... I mean, wow. I actually saw somebody tweet this out. JPP, it's not a bad huh? idea to put... Like Fletcher Cox maybe at defensive end, and then use Jordan Davis more in the in the in interior. The, mm-hmm. That you can maybe bump Fletcher out to the end spot, or Milton Williams is a guy who can maybe play some more end. Um, yeah, I don't think they need to go outside the organization yet. I think the answer is stop putting uh, Hassan Reddick in coverage and let him go after the quarterback. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I did not like Gannon's uh, game plan yesterday at all. Poor game plan. Yeah, uh, I did not like the way he called that defense yesterday. Now. Yes. I don't think he's going to call his defense that way every single week, but I didn't like how he called it yesterday. Just remember, guys, Jeff Mosher said Teron Jackson. Keep an eye on Teron Jackson as the guy that's going to step up. Uh, Cowboys are going to be missing more than Dak Prescott. Jaron J- Curse is going to miss approximately two to four weeks of a sprained MCL. Mm. Connor, McGrev- Connor McGovern could miss two or three more weeks, too, with a yeah. high ankle sprain as well. So Dallas is dropping yeah. left and right. Cowboys are in trouble. They got all sorts of injuries, but the biggest injury of all. This happened to them a couple of years ago, guys, when Dak got hurt. Two years ago, he hurt his ankle. Their defense was abysmal that season, and they had an awful year. They ended up, uh, what, 4-12 and 12 or something to that effect. But um, their defense is better this time, so I... 
it'll be interesting to see if that defense can keep them. Like keep them around? Keep them around. Listen, guys, I know that uh, Chris Collinsworth's voice was awful last night, like he had some sort of head cold or something like that. But what was he talking about, that the things on the helmets are are to protect the quarterback's hands? What? No, they're there for concussions. They're not there because, no. and, and I guess somebody hit their hand. Yeah, before. he said it started with that. There were certain teams Correct. that were doing that so that the thumb, when it hit a helmet in practice. Oh. Yeah, I didn't quite pick up on well, that. Well, that that's way. not surprising. Well, well I also couldn't understand the guy. He sounded like he needed a fix. I didn't think his voice was as bad as people were making it out. I mean, he has a raspy voice. Maybe because he has a raspy voice to begin with, I didn't think much of it. Now, here's a guy. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, to, to go to the Cowboys thing, yeah. Dak being out, they put no money in the backup quarterback None. spot. They put no money to bring in wide receivers. Their receivers nope. are inept. And their offensive line, I've been saying for years, their offensive line is mediocre. Um, but I'll say, I think their defense still might be the best in the division. It's very possible. And that might be a difference. That could keep them around 500 when they get Dak back. If they're around 500, the, the chore for Philadelphia now is to get enough separation between them and Dallas. A couple other news and notes. Uh, the scans came back, quote-unquote, normal on Mac Jones' back. The injury is not considered to be severe. He is considered a week-to-week situation with his back. On Mac Jones, I, I look, I didn't know what to expect out of the Patriots going down there to Miami. And obviously there's a lot of people that jump on Mac Jones and don't think that he's the guy, is he the guy, is he not the guy. I'll say this, uh, you know, I've learned a long time ago not to doubt Bill Belichick. I, I just don't doubt the guy. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think that he understands how to make it work at the worst possible moment. When ah, you're dealt the worst possible hand, ah, I think Belichick knows how to adjust. I said Thursday that the Patriots lost at Miami when they were good, so I'm not surprised that they went down there. Here's my thing. I'll have to disagree with you a little bit, PT. He brought in, much like Andy Reid, the year that he gave the defense to an offensive line coach. Okay. I oh, think Belichick God. got a little too arrogant, uh, too big for his arrogant britches by giving the offense to a guy who ruined Daniel Jones, to a guy who had no idea what to do, not an offensive-minded coach in Detroit. And they're the two guys running the offense yep. in New England. I think Belichick pulled an Andy Reid where, what did you do for one year? I think he made a major mistake here. And quite frankly, they have made so many mistakes in the draft. We talk about Howie Roseman. They have not drafted a serviceable one. They signed Nelson Aguilar. They they drafted Nikhil Henry Harry. I mean, they just have not drafted well. I'm sorry. I think Belichick uh, might have dug a hole that he might not be able to get out of, at least for this year. Was that Juan Castillo you're referencing yes. to there? The good, great, pull, good pull by you, Peter. The greatest defensive coordinator the Eagles have ever had? Mm-hmm. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Just one more, one more, one more. Yeah, one more. T.J. Watt is going to be getting second oh, and third sad. opinions. Torn pectoral. He's trying to avoid surgery. If he gets surgery, his season is over. Mm-hmm. If the second third opinion say he doesn't need surgery, he can return in six weeks. I hope the six-week thing, because he's a fun guy. You want to watch T.J. Watt. He's the kind of guy this league needs. He's the kind of guy that if you're watching that 4 o'clock game and the Steelers are on, you want to see T.J. Watt in action. It would stink if he's out for the year. He's a difference maker, and I'll just say this, guys. Like, the NFL is such a treat and such a gift. The way we used to watch games versus how we watch it now, you saw immediately, you know, like I was watching on Red Zone, you saw him immediately say, I I think it's torn, I think it's torn, he's pointing to his peck, and, you know, I mean, they picked right up on that. Scott Hansen on Red Zone right away. You know, you get that information almost instantaneously. And how about how fast NBC last night had the video of McCarthy 
talking to the trainer, and he said, you right. got to be bleeping kidding me. Right, right. He rolled his eyes and couldn't believe it. Yep, that was unbelievable, too. More Sports Bash. By the way, Joe Buck tweeted out, beyond excited for this day and to start a new era, Buck and Aikman. How many people are going to go to the Manning cast with Buck and Aikman now? Oh, yeah. But is there, there's a Manning cast tonight? Yes. Yes. Well, then I know where I'm going. <laughs> there is, by the way, there is no Manning cast for the Eagles game next week, and I'm kind of happy about that. Oh, yeah. I because I'd be conflicted. I would like to watch the Manning cast, but I, it's the Eagles game. I do want to hear the, the Buck and Aikman. It's going to be weird seeing Buck and Aikman on ESPN. That's true. I'll, I'll probably start with them, and then if the game gets out of hand, I'll go to Manning to get entertained. More Sports Bash coming up. Grayson's grades. Who passed? Who failed? The Eagles won, but were there any failing grades, PT? Let's find out. The teacher, Scott Grayson, he's up next with Grayson's grades on 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to the Sports ESPN. Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Mike Hill, PT, live here at the Gallery Bar Book of Games. Got a couple people hanging out at the bar on a Monday night football tonight, PT. You got uh, Denver and Seattle. You can hear the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. All right, who passed, who failed? Let's take a look at week number one. The grades are out. Grayson's grades are back. Fox 29, Grayson's grades. Scott Grayson joins us right now on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. And, Scott, welcome back for another year of Grayson's grades, man. We got uh, the Eagles 38-35, but you would think that everybody failed the way this game, the reaction is yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. However, when you look at that game, you really had to break it up into three parts, in my opinion, the beginning, the middle, and the end. Um, The beginning, the Eagles were trying to figure out what the Lions were doing, got out to a slow start. The end... Uh, obviously, I, I thought the the end, the Eagles really failed to, uh, to me, conditioning looked like it was not there. I, I thought that the Eagles were out of gas in that entire fourth quarter uh, on defense, especially. I also thought that um, they really kind of took off the gas pedal. They really just kind of let things kind of coast to the end there um, and played more of that base defense. We saw Gannon run a lot last year in that fourth quarter. And you know, they were just content to let the, the Lions get some yardage and try to take some clock off, but the Lions were obviously pushing the envelope, you know, very hard. Um, they are a well-coached team. You know, I think that, that Campbell can can be a, a coach in this league. You just got to have better pieces there in Detroit. But the middle of the game is where I really felt like that's where the game was won by the Eagles. Um, they really put their foot down on both sides of the ball on several possessions in a row throughout the second and then into the third quarters. That pick six was huge. Um, they were honestly really well coached to be prepared for that onside kick. Uh, had they not been, and that worked for Detroit, that would have been a key moment in the game. So I think he divided up into three parts. And I look at the fourth quarter, and I'm willing to kind of like kind of push it away and say, you can't get conservative. You have to continue to be aggressive, and you got to get your conditioning up. Now I know the preseason they didn't play Detroit. We all talked about it before the, you know going into it. That team played in the preseason. Campbell had them playing. He had them conditioned better, in my opinion. And I think that really was part of the reason the Eagles gave up those points at the end of the game. Yeah, up 17, I agree. I thought that's when they kind of took the foot off the gas a little bit. All right, Uh, polarizing as he is, Jalen Hurts. What kind of grade did Grayson's grades give Jalen Hurts for week one? I think I gave him a B. Uh, I don't have him in front of me, but yeah, I... I thought that, uh, look, Hurts started out 0 for 5. I thought that was part of it. Uh, I got to believe he was pressing a little bit with some of his passes. And I-, I know everybody in the city of Philadelphia was going, oh, see, we were all worried about him for the right reasons. He can't complete a pass. And 
Um, look, for whatever it was worth, uh, I, I don't know what you guys thought, but I saw the first and second completion to A.J. Brown, and I said, I turned to my boys and I said, this is what it looked like when they got Terrell Owens. You felt like you had a legitimate guy who was not just going to catch the ball and go down. I mean, I love the yards after catch factor with that guy, and, and you saw it yesterday working hard. Um, and then the ability to go down and catch a deep ball. I, in, in terms of, I know we're going to get to A.J. Brown. I'm starting to get off track. I realize that. But with Jalen Hurts, um, I, I like the completions. I like the ability to complete that deep ball at a big time when they needed it. Um, I, honestly, once he got through that 0 for 5 start, I thought that was better. The one thing I really want to see, though, and, I, you know, he can't run that much. And if he's going to run, he's got to start looking for the sideline. Because in this league, everybody understands how important a quarterback is. And you're going to find somebody take that chief shot to knock him out of the game and gladly take the 15-yard penalty knowing that they don't have to worry about Hurts running anymore. And, and so I think that's got to be a conversation in the coach's room with him this week. Um, I saw positives. I saw a lot of things that I liked out of Hurts. Clearly there's stuff, though, that could get better. Scott Grayson with us for Grayson's Grades. Yeah, obviously you gave A.J. Brown an A. I mean, that's the easiest A that you probably ever hand out on Grayson's Grades. <laughs> Ten passes, 155 yards, the the true number one receiver. You know, that we saw But there was a second guy catching the football yesterday that you also gave an A to. Happens to play tight end. Uh, maybe talk about that A you gave out to the, the Dallas guy, Dallas Goddard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so many passes went to A.J. Brown. It was really hard for any other receiver to to do a whole lot. And, and, I, and, and I know we'll get to this as well. Devontae Smith has got to get a touch, at least one touch. Come on. Um, that's got to be a better job by Hurts and the rest of the offense. As far as Goddard goes, I love the way they use him. I love the screen pass that he ended up taking. I really thought he was going to get in. Once he got those shoulder pads north-south, had that head of steam, uh, you know, I, I thought he was going to plow his way into the end zone. Big gain at that point. I like the way he works over the middle of the field. Um, and now we're going to start to see the chess matches begin. Obviously, if you're the Vikings and you look at this Eagles team, you say, um, we can't let A.J. Brown get the ball. And so that's fine. You know, you can devote some more resources to him. And I really think we'll see more Devontae Smith next week. But Dallas Goddard, to me, is right where I thought he'd be. Four, five, six receptions a game. Um, and, you know, the question is whether or not he's going to have a lot of open space in front of him. And he did. I, I thought that uh, at times in that game he made some big catches and then had that nice screen pass as well. Um, I, I saw another play earlier in the game that I thought was well-designed. They had A.J. Brown put him in motion, and everybody followed him. It left Goddard wide open in the flat for an easy first-down conversion. Um, I, I like the way that, that things are looking through game one. It's never perfect. Rarely ever is it perfect. And, and so you look at that offense and the defense, and you say, okay, I like where they're starting from. And now it's time to see how they put the pieces together to move forward. One more guy you gave a good grade to on the offense is Miles Sanders. That was the 10th rushing TD of his career when he made it a 14-7 game with that one-yard plunge. But Gil and I were talking earlier in the show, like, that's it, one, one touchdown. How about, how about some more touchdowns? I do think I remember, if I'm not mistaken, Grayson, that's his first touchdown in a long time uh, as well. Yeah, he didn't have one all last season. That was well documented. I don't mind that he didn't get more than one. Uh, what I'm looking at is the workload and the yardage. Uh, I, I forget how many carries he had, but he had 95 yards or so on the ground. Uh, if he gives me that, I don't really care what else happens. That means the offense is moving the ball. The offensive line is blocking. They have four rushing touchdowns in that game by four different backs. I don't care if it's Miles Sanders or somebody else, but I want to see him with that kind of workload we saw there. Uh, yesterday. That to me is right about the place where he should be. Maybe a few more touches, um, but you know, they're spreading that ball around with all those backs. You see Kenny Gainwell getting involved. 
Boston Scott as well. Uh, I mean, that's what this offense is. I don't think they really feature one back too much. Clearly, he is the guy more than the others, but I'm not worried about the touchdowns. Uh, 13 carries for 96 yards, just a 13. Thank you. Okay. Uh, real quick, I, I want to go back to your comment regarding, you know, Devontae Smith. And, look, if Brown's open, I don't have a problem with you throwing the ball to him. Smith had a target. He dropped it. He had four targets in the game yesterday. The one, though, hit him right between the numbers, and he dropped the ball. But, hey, if they're going to give you – I don't think the Lions made the adjustment to not throw the ball to Brown. So, if, therefore, I don't have a problem considering he took what they gave him. And if you're going to give me my best player on offense all day, I'll take him. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And But that one target you're talking about, you're right. He's got to make that catch. The others were when uh, – I know he had four targets. The others were Hurst scrambling and just throwing it out of bounds. Yeah. He was the closest receiver, so he gets the target. Uh, but all I'm saying is give him a wide receiver screen. Do something, a high percentage completion to give him an opportunity to try to make a play. Uh, at least show him you're not neglecting him. I, I, I agree with you, though. If the opponent is going to let A.J. Brown catch 10 passes, by all means, the Eagles should let him catch 10 passes. <laughs> I'm not trying to say they should change things up. Uh, and look away from A.J. Brown. I'm just saying, mix in a screen pass, high percentage play to Devontae Smith. Um, you know, it is one of the things we've talked about. Uh, there, are there enough footballs to go around with this team? And when Jalen Hurts runs 17 times, and maybe, what, half of those at least were designed pass plays, now guys aren't getting the ball. He's taking it and running with it. Um, and then you start worrying. I look, everybody wins, everybody's happy. But if you don't get those balls spread around well enough, you're going to start to see people getting upset when you get into the loss. All right, Scott Grayson's grades. The full list of grades are posted at 973ESPN.com. Check them all out. And he's, of course, back after every Eagles game. He'll be back on Tuesday next week because the Eagles play Monday night. All right, Scott. Don't forget props and locks on Fox 29. And you can check out Scott Grayson on Fox 29. Thank you, Scott. Hey, how about them Cowboys? Uh, mess. Yeah, I just saw we're at the sports book here at Ocean Casino. The odds were just up on the board. The Cowboys are now the longest shot to win the East, minus 500. Boom. Bang. How things change. It's funny. The guy who texted me all day Friday about the Cowboys, Cowboys I haven't heard from him today. (laughs) One thought every game next. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Time Monday Night Football tonight right here on 97.3 ESPN. We got it for you. It is Russell Wilson Heading to Seattle as his Broncos take on his former team, the Seahawks. Mike and Pete live here. Josh Henning producing today's show back in the Matt Black Kia Studios. We got one thought every game from week one. All the overreactions and everything. Casey Joyner from The Athletics says to join us right now. We'll get his thoughts on one thought every game as we do every Monday and every Friday with Casey Joyner from The Athletic. But first, Casey, let's take a look. 38-35. 38-35. Let's break down what you saw in the Eagles-Lions game yesterday because a lot of panic after it. It's not like, oh, the Eagles won. It's more, oh, the Eagles defense looks suspect. Jalen Hurts threw the ball too much to A.J. Brown. Nobody else got any targets. So let's take a couple thoughts from you first. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball because they're sure. getting a lot of criticism from the fans. But not enough pressure. They got new toys. They didn't open the toys. <laughs> 
Uh, give us an overview of what you thought about John Gannon's game plan yesterday. Um, I You look at... We've been talking in the past few years about the Eagles and how they stop the run. And usually how they stop the running game is that they just they disrupt plays and get upfield and pin their ears back and, and really stop things. They didn't do that yesterday and they were missing tackles and they were they looked like they were trying to more fill gaps instead of winning blocking battles. That's not how you stop the run. You've got to defeat the blocking battles. So I'm concerned about that and whether or not they're going whether or not they're thinking too much and trying to do these complex things and not getting uh getting kind of physicality they should. Having said that, if you're looking at his game plan, on vertical passes, Goff is only 4 or 12 for 90 yards, only 7.5 yards per attempt on passes thrown 11 or more yards downfield. So they did stop the vertical passes, just they've got to stop things underneath, which weren't we having the same conversation last year about his defense quite frequently. Right, and, uh, you know, they got new toys. They got uh, Reddick, a pass rusher, a very good one. They went out and got a run stuffer in Jordan Davis. We didn't see a lot of him. I thought the secondary with Bradbury, Sharcy Gardner-Johnson, and Marcus Epps, I thought they played well, Slay too, but it was really the way they used Reddick, and then they didn't use Davis a whole heck of a lot. What we saw, is it fixable? I think that it is. Again, you want... You don't want coaches will tell you you don't want defensive players having to, to do too much thinking. You just want them to be able to adjust. You want them to be able to get after things. And the thing is, the Lions. I mean, the, the Eagles played three cornerbacks on eighty-four percent of plays in this contest. So they, the, I mean, they were the Eagles. The, the Lions were putting them in a situation where they had to play a lot of pass defense and couldn't get that physicality. So that might be part of it as well because early in the game, Bradbury. Missed a tackle on a long run by Swift and such. And that's one of the things I thought, too, is that you see this a lot early in preseason. Maybe that's one of the things I'm not quite as worried about the Eagles as others is. A lot of times you'll see tackling, you'll see blocking early in the season uh, just won't be as good as it can be, and that won't prove as the year progresses. So I would be shocked if their defense doesn't play better against the run down the road just because they're going to be more physical because they're going to have more on-field time. It's kind of a downside of not playing much in the preseason. Hey, Casey, uh, going into the game, the lot a lot was made about the offensive line for Detroit and some guys missing on that, but were you surprised at how the offensive line did perform against the <laughs> Eagles' front four and against that Eagles' defensive front because the offensive line for Detroit was better than adequate? Yeah, and Dan Campbell wants them to be that way. They've got a mindset that they want to get downhill and they want to play power football. And I guess if I had one criticism of the Eagles' defense uh, is in general, though, is that I think that the Lions came out and decided we want to play power football, we want to punch you in the mouth, and the Eagles' defense was not ready for that. The Eagles' defense didn't look like it wanted to play smash-mouth football, which, okay, you're in a division where you've got Dallas and you've got a good one-two combination there. You've got Washington. They like to run the ball. The Giants got Barkley. You better be able to stop power football. So the Eagles better get it in their head that that's what they want to do. Because I get the feeling that they, the Eagles sat back and said, hey, we want to play in some coverage. And the, the Lions get them a lot of three wide receiver sets. The Lions are not going to not run the football and not be a smash mouth team with Dan Campbell. So something that uh, w- would be concerned about is you want to see more physicality out of the defense because you can't beat people just by sitting back as they keep mentioning. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Eagles fans always want to see blitzing. There was one official sack, I think, and even then it was a missed snap. I mean, it doesn't even really count. But, you know, when you're seeing you sign this guy, Hassan Reddick, to rush the quarterback and he's back in coverage, you're like, ah, what's going on here? Yeah, coaches can get too cute that way. Coaches will will sometimes uh, outsmart themselves. I think back to some of the days even we watched LT back in the day with the – Giants back in the 80s and there were times that early in the, on that you'll see him dropping back in coverage and you can understand why Parcells would get mad at Belichick and go what are you doing this is the best pass rusher 
probably league history at this point. But uh, say, you know, the Eagles are kind of the same way where you're trying to give them looks and give them fronts and try to outthink them. And if I had to say anything, again, it's it's Sirianni, this whole coaching staff, they, they take such the cerebral approach. And I get taking the cerebral approach, but, you, you, you know, you, you could, but Bill Walsh used to say you can outthink people. But, you know, you really are better suited to be trying to out-hit people. And right now, I think the Eagles are a little doing a little too much thinking and not enough hitting. All right, Casey Joyner, we'll get into one thought every game coming up. Let's look at the offense here. Um, I, I guess, you know, Hurts, very polarizing. I mean, did he have a good game? I mean, I, they probably don't win the game without yeah, him. I thought he saved a lot of plays. He, he made a, plays with his legs. But 17 carries, was he 100% accurate? No. He threw the ball down the field. He connected with A.J. Brown. Then they got the criticism. Was he too locked in on Brown? I would say, Casey, and see if you agree it, they were giving him Brown. You might as well take him. If you're going to give me Brown all day, I'll take Brown. So what did you think of Hurts day overall? I can understand why the Eagles threw the ball as much as they did. It got, you first just scratch your head and go, okay, Eagles, you're a running team. Why are you throwing the ball this much? In fact, you learned last year to run the ball against this very club in this very building. So why in the world are you doing that? But – I do the start sit charts for my Patriots subscribers, and uh, I look at ranking matchup rankings. And the this matchup ranking for the Eagles passing game was the best in the league, a, a hundred score out of one to one hundred. It was as good as it gets in Week One. So I can see where the Eagles would say, "Hey, we want to let Hurts throw the football. We want to let him get some practice throwing in favorable situations. It doesn't get much more favorable than this. Let's have him throw the ball a lot." And I think one of the things that stands out the most is, yeah, they were throwing to Brown. Uh, on passes thrown 11 yards downfield, vertical passes. Jalen Hurts, four attempts, three completions for 90 yards. Like the yardage, 22 and a half yards per attempt, but it's only four attempts downfield. They said, we're going to have you throw dink and dunk throws. Whether the Lions were just sitting back and taking away vertical throws, whatever it was, he was hitting on the dink and dunk passes, and then when they weren't there, he was running. So I don't have any problem with them having him throw the ball as often as they did in this contest. But when you start to get up against teams that are better and better in pass coverage, maybe worse on gets the run. Then you want to get more to the running to the running game because this is not a formula that will work against every club. Casey, I know uh, Mike and I talked going into this game about uh, how they had had four rushing touchdowns last year against the Lions. So you're thinking, and you got AJ Brown, you got this new toy, and oh my God, there's going to be more touchdowns. It's going to be more vertical. <laughs> Guess what? Four rushing touchdowns again. I mean, they had uh, 455 yards on the ground, total yards on the ground, 216. Now, I mean, now hold on a second, because Casey is a historian of the game. Yes. Oh, yes. Do you, I definitely want to know if he do knows Do you know guys. Billy Ray Barnes, Ted Dean, Clarence Peaks, and Theron Sapp? <laughs> I've heard of De- Ted Dean, Bill Barnes. I've heard of. I've heard of a couple of those players. Yes, <laughs> that is the last time that the Eagles had four different players run for a touchdown in the same game. It was those four players in 1961 at the Cotton Bowl against the Cowboys. Wow. Dean actually, I think he ran for a touchdown in the 60 NFL Championship against the Packers. He had a uh, he had a uh, big play in that contest. Yep, there you go. So go ahead, PT. Well, either way, I mean, it, it, those are great names for the past, Casey. I love that you recognized at least one of them because I sure didn't. But what I, <laughs> I, I I thought the game was going to be more vertical, and to see four rushing touchdowns last year, like Gil pointed this out earlier in the show, last two games against the Lions, eight <laughs> rushing touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> The thing, I, I write an article, a weekly article for The Athletic that, that takes a look at the week one games from a from fantasy perspective, but it can also apply to NFL uh, elements as well. And one of the things that was striking about their running game is 
the Eagles having a goal line carousel for for their backs because Miles Sanders' fantasy managers were, were you know, so mad that he did such you know, what he scored zero touchdowns last year and, and they couldn't stand that. But they had their carries yesterday or t- yesterday in uh in for goal line carries inside the five yard line. Sanders has three carries, Hertz has two, Gainwell has one, Scott has one. So you get seven carries in that area of the field, which is really valuable, but you don't funnel them through any particular person. And you're having Hurts do a couple of the carries, too. So it's one of those things where, okay, hey, I think the Eagles are saying if we get gold line, we're not going to wear anybody out. And we might put somebody in the backfield. We're going to put up a pass catching back runner. might have our quarterback run it. You never know what we're going to do. So I love their creativity in that sense. Uh, Casey Joyner, one thought every game coming up in just a second. But real quick, uh, did, you know, A.J. Brown obviously was a difference maker. When you see this offense evolving now moving forward, what more can they do with this offense? They scored 31 points. One came from an interception return. But now with him in it, and you saw them now once, what more can they evolve this offense into after watching them in week one? Well, one thing you do want to see is Devontae Smith uh, catch a pass. Four targets, no receptions. That's really... You want to get, because you don't want, hey, if A.J. Brown just takes Devontae Smith's place and you say, this is what Devontae Smith was last year and now it's A.J. Brown this year, okay, it's not, it's not a lateral move. It's still an improvement, but you need a one-two combination. And it may be, as you said, that they just funnel things through Brown. It may be that the Lions defense gave them uh, things to Brown and took away other things. So it may be a combination of factors, but they can't just be an A.J. Brown offense. They can't just have four targets to Goddard, four targets to Smith. It's got to be those three spread out a little more evenly if they really want this passing game to be impactful. All right, Casey Joyner, by the way, One Thought Every Game is brought to you by Cape Regional Health System for a healthier life called 609-463-CAPE. And, of course, we take a look at One Thought Every Game. Here we go tonight, Monday Night Football, Broncos and Seahawks. The game's in Seattle, by the way. Denver's a six-and-a-half-point favorite in the game. But this Broncos team, I mean, many people thought they had a very good roster last year, just poor quarterback play. Do they now have the quarterback to get this done, or are you worried about them going on the road here? Not worried in the least about them going on the road. Uh, Seattle's got all kinds of passing game problems. Juno Smith is, has terrible, abysmal uh, vertical numbers over his career. So I think that uh, Russell Wilson will throw for 300-plus and Denver wins this game handily. Oh, handily, he mm. says, PT. You want to put some money on that? We're at the sports book. Uh, well, I got Judy going, so uh, I like to hear those vertical numbers. Casey, didn't we warn him about the Giants against Tennessee? Oh, didn't we yeah. warn him? Oh, you did. We all tried. Right, uh, one thought every game, Saints-Falcons. I mean, this Falcons team was in this thing to the end, and they really fought hard. But the Saints, you know, uh, we saw some offensive firepower from them. We did, and uh, I think they're going to have the capacity to be even a, a better uh, offensive team down the road. I like the fact that the Falcons fought as hard as they did because talent-wise, it might be the worst team in the league, and Arthur Smith is using that to fire his team up. So maybe they're going to win more than two games this year. 49ers-Bears, I love this result because I'm not a big uh, fan of the move to go to Trey Lance. Uh, Justin Fields, that team, obviously, they like the Lions kind of. They played with that chip on their shoulder. They didn't quite have the output, but... I don't know. Uh, this the, the field was very sloppy. Hard to get a read on the offenses here, but the Bears pick up the upset in week one. They do, and they're capable of playing better than that. I think uh, David Montgomery's going to have some big games down the road. That was one of their toughest run game matchups for like the next two months, so I think they're going to do a lot better. And see, in San Francisco, it's tough. Lance, you got the wind and the rain. It's not just the, the rain. It's the wind and the rain. He's not, he doesn't have Kittle. He loses a running back early in the contest. I think there are a lot of reasons to say let's not judge Lance based solely on that, but 
I think that they could go relief pitcher sooner rather than later. They could go the Don Strock route if, uh, if Lance keeps struggling because uh, they're not going to sit there and lose a bunch of games trying to break in a quarterback. Casey, you tried to Don warn me Strzok. about Tennessee. <laughs> you tried to warn me about Tennessee. We'll get to that in a minute. First, the team that Gil picked, he thought the Bengals were safe in a survivor pool and the Steelers went in there and won the ball. I should have known better than to take a division game. <laughs> and and Tomlin in week one is very good. And hey, if they would have blocked on an extra point, they, 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 they you know, uh, they would have made that kick in mid twenty one twenty. So the uh, Seattle lost, or Cincinnati lost that game more than Pittsburgh won that game. Pittsburgh's defense played great. The TJ Water is going to be devastating for them. But hey, look, they played. It, Cincinnati did more to lose that game than Pittsburgh did to win that game. If I'm if I'm those two teams, I'm still thinking down the road Cincinnati's going to be a better club. But the, they've got to get that in order because you can't have that many turnovers from Burrow. Well, apparently practicing on the Division II women's soccer field didn't help the Patriots. There's questions about their quarterback today. I'm proclaiming Belichick to still be smart. Gil's telling me I'm full of it and wrong. Casey, what's your thought out of that game? Not exactly how I put it, but... (laughs) Hey, it's 7 out of 10 that they've beaten the the Dolphins to beat the Patriots. This is not uncommon i think it's four straight now it's seven out of the last ten that they beat the patriots this is it's the patriots going down there and winning would be more a surprise josh boyer page uh, dolphins defensive coordinator he's I, this is this is the kind of performance again he's an overmatched offense but still he's been dominating this team for a while the dolphins kept him it, when they made their coaching change they still kept him on board i think it says a lot about where the dolphins are that they've got a defense they can uh they could get them into the playoffs yeah uh i and i mentioned that that the dolphins even a bad dolphins team has figured out ways to beat the Patriots, and we saw a pretty good Dolphins team win that one, 27. Ravens 24, Jets 9, and we saw uh, the Ravens' defense uh, back to their old ways after, you know, they haven't been the same the last year or two, it feels like. Uh, they had so many injuries last year. Football Outsiders has a metric that measures uh, uh, the, the, in, the impact of defensive injuries, and the Ravens had the worst uh, showing in that, I think, in the metrics history. So th- that's how obliterated they were with injuries. They had the most talented secondary in the league. You're facing Joe Flacco, though, too. I mean, that that's something else. I tell you, the Jets, though, uh, I like the Michael carter uh, Brees hall combination in their backfield. They're going to use Carter a lot more. They've got so much talent there. If you gave the Jets even just average quarterback play, I'm talking just middle of the road, uh, Baker Mayfield caliber play. That team can win seven or eight games. They've got enough talent there. Their quarterbacking is that bad. Jaguars uh, fought for a while, 28-22. Carson Wentz, four scores, two interceptions. But the Commanders look like they got some firepower. <laughs> they do. I thought the Jaguars would be able to pull the upset. They came pretty close. But, yeah, uh, Carson Wentz did a very good job uh, yesterday on in a number of different areas. He, I mean, uh, I mentioned him in, uh, in my fantasy article that, uh, I mean, he did, he, uh, he threw, uh, they only had four plays in the red zone against Jacksonville. That's not very much, but they let, uh, Wentz throw the ball three of the, on those plays and he completed all three of them with two finding the end zone. So Washington is trusting him in a way that Indianapolis didn't last year, at least so far, and it might lead to some good results. Casey, I got one loyal listener over in Delaware that both messages me and tweets at me about the Browns and he sent me a text yesterday. Browns are going to give me a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, think about the Browns, though. Hey, look, they find a way to win that game. The, we, when they fall behind late in the contest, uh, my son and I were just laughing. We're like, there you go, the Brown, typical Browns. But this is not the typical Browns team. This is a team that, okay, you've got Jacoby Brissett, and you're trying to, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but you're. if you could get to a place where you could get Watson in the lineup late in the year with those last five games and you could give him a shot, You've got a talented enough team around him that would do something there. So to be able to go on the road and pull out a win like this speaks well for their defense and the fact they've got a good running game and a rookie kicker, too, to make that kick, that's money. 
and I'm not sure how you consume the NFL on Sundays, but obviously I watch the Eagles game heavily, and then I'm on red zone a lot. When I saw Scott Hansen say at one point there could be two ties in the same week of the NFL, only one of them actually happened, Colts and Texans. That's terrible. I, the th- I'll tell you what, though. Uh, the, the Colts, uh, they played down to their competition level, which is something because, hey, they beat, them, they beat the Texans 62-3 to in their two games combination point-wise last year. The thing that gets me, though, is that the Colts are talking about, or at least there's discussion that they're going to replace Rodrigo Blankenship, their kicker. Uh, you know, And the thing is, this, this, te- this says something about the organization because uh, if they do end up replacing him, I think back to something Bud Grant used to say. Bud Grant said, if you've got a good kicker, you just forgive him if he has a bad day. I mean, if he has a few of them, you can't let that go. But if he has one bad day, let it go. Don't let it sit in his head. Just say, hey, it happens and move on. Every good kicker's had that kind of a bad day, and Marigo misses that kick. If they replace him and they move in a different direction and they struggle in kicking him all year, they're going to wonder if they're doing that. And I'm thinking, I've got to wonder with this organization, Scott, to make some short-term decisions if they do this because you don't want to overreact to this tie just because your kicker made one bad play because it's a long season. Uh, Giants go on the road. We talked yeah. about it. Uh, I think Tennessee's on the way down. We didn't think the Giants were quite ready to start winning games, but the culture seems to be changing there, and they got to win in week one. Yep, they did a couple things. Barkley, everybody said in preseason that, hey, he looks great, he looks great, he looks great. It was Tom Fancy manager, the guy you want to get on your roster. And sure enough, he looked that good. He was the best running back in that game. I love going for it when you're uh, down by one and going for the two-point late in the game because you're playing with house money. And it says, hey, if, if we lose, then fine, we lose. And we're trying something different. If we win, then uh, we're where we are. I'm wondering, though, what they're going to do. The Giants, what they're going to do with their passing game, the two, because uh, to, to, uh, they did as well there, but... I think they need to make some changes in their offense. They still they need to get some different players in the in the lineup. But Tennessee, I mean, they knew when they lost in Cincinnati game last year that their window was closing, and this is showing that it's getting shut faster than you uh, look like. Casey Joyner, one thought every game. I had my best bet of the week was Vikings over Packers. I think the Packers team, another one like the Titans, a one seed last year. I think they've taken a big step back, and the Vikings showed us that they took a little bit of a step back. It's only the fifth time in Aaron Rodgers' career he's posted negative fantasy points on vertical passes of the game. Negative. He actually had minus .4 fantasy points. That's how terrible their offense was. When you lose Adams, they don't have any to replace him. Lazard was out. Watson drops that touchdown pass, or a potential 75-yard touchdown pass. You do all these things, and you have all these problems where they're just not be able to get vertical passing going. I think it's a huge issue. And plus, again, they couldn't cover Justin Jefferson. I don't understand what it is about some of these teams, too. A.J. Brown getting all these passes, Justin Jefferson. Cooper Cup, if he if he did the 17 games throw, he would catch, I think it was, I did the numbers from my article, 221 passes. Oh How are you God. letting receivers catch this many passes? Double them, do something. you got to be able to take people out of these things. I can't understand why teams are you know, having this happen. Casey Joyner with his Chiefs, Cardinals, 44-21. Mahomes, five touchdowns, 360 yards. And even the local kid from around here, Pacheco, gets on the board. 12 carries, 62 yards and a touchdown. Are the Chiefs that good? The Cardinals that bad? What are we looking at out of that one? Cardinals are that bad. Uh, their coaches already talk about they need better practice habits. When you talk about that in week one, it's a bad sign. I think that could go south for them quickly. Think about the Chiefs I wrote about in that article. Most, I mean, the uh, what was it? Uh, Twenty-seven fantasy points is what uh, Mahomes pa- uh, posted on short passes. So he just dominated in short passes. Not that much of vertical passes. You thought, hey, they're going to throw to MVS. They're going to go deep with other passes. Nope, they're just funneling some short passes to this. So they may be going to more of a possession game instead of just trying to have almost a vertical all the time. Where if he gets that kind of short passing game 
and you get the uh, the the running game that they have the capacity for, and you can throw in some vertical passing, that offense could be more dangerous without Tyreek Hill. And Mike's used the analogy of a shiny new toy still in the box. Well, the Vegas new toy was Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 141 yards, touchdown, and yet it's Justin Herbert who stole the show. Chargers beat the Raiders. <laughs> It's hard to beat the Raiders, but they did it without J.C. Jackson, their top cornerback, is a, a big plus for them to be able to slow down that offense. And it says something. I still don't know that Josh McDaniels knows what kind of offense he wants to run. I still think he looks at all these. He's got this, this one game time. Not sure what he wants to do with this running game. He bundled it through Jacobs, but he's got other options, and he's got all these receivers and what he wants to do there. I think until he – like the Chargers know exactly what they want to be with the Justin Herbert-centric team. Until the Raiders figure out what kind of team they really want to be, I think these kind of struggles are going to be a problem. All right, one thought every game, the last game, was a disaster for the Cowboys. 19-3, they mustered up three stinking points last (laughs) night, lost their quarterback, the season in disarray for Dallas, and Tampa Bay didn't look all that hot on offense either. Not surprising for Tampa and that they lost uh, or had those offensive line injuries. Another one yesterday. If they keep having offensive line problems, that's going to be an issue for them. They said they wanted to throw the ball less frequently. They did. They said they want to throw the ball this frequently far downfield. They did. They said they want, you know, they've got a lot of problems in the offense. So Tampa's going to be this. They're going to win more low scoring games this year than they had the past few years. But, but Dallas, I, I get the, you know, hey, okay, why can't you make CD Lamb do what these other teams do? <laughs> They're getting everything out of their big receivers. You can't get anything. And I get Michael Gallup's out. But, I mean, you still got to be able to do more with Lamb and Schultz, and you've got you know, you've got to find something else. And now they don't have any of those guys, so they're going to have to be a run-centric team. In all honesty, that may be something that helps them long-term because they've been needing to get back to that run-centric approach anyway, and now they just may have to out of necessity. And when Dak comes back, maybe they just go back to that approach again and, and might keep them from getting hurt. Cooper Rush takes over for Dallas, and, of course, uh, they will play a pretty difficult schedule coming up. they got the Bengals next week. Uh, and then they got uh, New York and Washington. It's going to be interesting because they get those two division games early. If they can win those games, that could keep them alive in that division. If you lose both of those games, and uh, depending on what Philly does, that could really put Dallas way out by the time Dak gets in. All right. One thought every game. Casey Joyner brought to you by Cape Regional Health System for a healthier life. Call 609-463-CAPE. He's back on Friday. With one thought on every week two game starts to move too fast, man. We gotta slow it down. Gotta slow it down. Uh, he likes the uh, Broncos. Uh, excuse me, the uh, Broncos big tonight, right? Broncos, yeah, by uh, probably. I wish probably see him win by double digits. I think Seattle's in that bad of shape. Okay, all right, Casey. We'll talk to you Friday, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, stuff, uh, you guys Casey. have been going Always to our website ninety seven three espn dot com and entering to win this one hundred dollar food and beverage credit plus a free overnight stay right here at Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. PT, we've got the winning name. This person is getting the hundo and the room. Yes, the winner of the 100-hour food and beverage credit and the complimentary room overnight here at Ocean Casino Resort is Jason Woodward. Jason Woodward. If you're out there listening or if you know Jason Woodward and you're listening, let him know that he's the winner of the 100-hour food and beverage and complimentary room overnight here at Ocean Casino Resort. Jason Woodward, though in her more contests, of course, to come on 97.3 ESPN. Yes, we got another prize from Ocean coming up on tomorrow's show. Get the app, download the app, make sure you have the app, 
and you can win more great prizes thanks to our friends here at Ocean Casino Resort. We got another good prize tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, PT, we got another good prize. Nice. We thank them as always here at Ocean Casino. All right, when we come back, he's the host of Good Morning NFC East. We got Good Evening NFC East with Jeff Kerr joins us to talk a little bit about what happened in the division. We're going to ask him. What's the biggest story in the NFC East from yesterday, other than Dak Prescott? All right, you guys can get involved in the segment by texting in right now at 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. What do you think is the biggest story in the NFC East outside of Dak Prescott's injury from yesterday's four teams in their games? Send us a text. Let us know. This is what Jeff Kerr thinks, the host of Good Morning NSC East. He joins us next. Now, back to the spree ESPN. All right, it was a wild day in the NFC East. We had three teams win. Dallas lose. They lost the quarterback. The Eagles won, but it didn't feel like they won, according to their fans anyway, PG. Giants finally got their first opening day win since 2016. Washington won. So what's the biggest story in the NFC East yesterday outside of Dak Prescott getting hurt? He's the host of Good Morning NFC East on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And he writes for CBS Sports covering the NFL. Let's talk a little NFC East with Jeff Kerr right now. And he's brought to you by BMW of Atlantic City. Closer than you think. Shop their entire new inventory and take advantage of exceptional offers online anytime at BMW Atlantic City. Dot com. All right, Jeff, let's start with that. What's the biggest story from the NFC East yesterday outside of Dak Prescott getting hurt? Maybe the Cowboys offensive line just being terrible, the receivers being terrible, the whole offense being terrible. Now you got Connor McGovern hurt. You got J-Ron Curse hurt. Dak Prescott's hurt, obviously. it's The Cowboys just look like a complete nightmare right now. So the Cowboys overall, just the roster, the, the way they neglected this thing this offseason, you'd say that's the biggest story from week one. Oh, absolutely. I, I think they neglected getting better wide receiver. They neglected backup quarterback. They neglected the, the offensive line. And it's showing its ugly head right now. And like we were talking earlier, Mike, they draft well when they get the best player available. Stevie Lamb, Michael Parsons. Well, now it's time for C.E. Lamb to be a first-round pick, and he just doesn't have any depth to help him out right now. Yeah, they're really struggling outside of him. There's no question. Last night, who was it? Noah Brown was. They were throwing Noah passes Brown. to Noah Brown, and man, there were some stragglers out there. Um, let's take a look at uh, what the Eagles did before we get into the NFC East, and you know everybody's assessment of Hurts. He's such a polarizing figure. Uh, Jason Kelsey said he won us the game. Without him, we don't win the game. Uh, but what did we? What do we need to see moving forward? If you get that Jalen Hurts, is that okay, or you need to see some more maturation? I mean, I don't want to see Jalen Hurts run 13, 14 times. I'm not counting 16 total because he had a couple meal downs there at the end. But this is the Jalen Hurts I want to see. The NFL is trending toward running quarterbacks, toward quarterbacks that can escape the pocket. That's why Patrick Hurt. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is actually good. He doesn't run the ball much, but you don't have to. Justin Herbert can run the ball when he needs to. Um, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a great running quarterback. Do the Buffalo Bills complain he gets 150 carries a year? I don't think so. So I'm looking at it as, look, 
play Jalen Hurts to his strengths, Mike. That, that's all I'm saying. His strength is running the football, and Jason Kelsey's absolutely right. Mike Gill's absolutely right. Pete Thompson's absolutely right. Jeff Kerr's absolutely right. They don't win that game yesterday if it wasn't for him. My other takeaway out of the Eagles game, Jeff, was the I'd lo- like to see more pressure on the quarterback. I'd like like there's technically there was technically a sack like they kind of combined. It was uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox combined like they each got a half a sack. But I think the snap was bobbled. I mean, it was hey, I'm calling that a sack like maybe only technically only. Uh, uh, why, why couldn't they get pressure on golf uh, again? They just they just refused to blitz. Yeah, that's what it is. You you nailed it around the head. They just don't blitz. I think they dial up a zero blitz early in the game, and it worked. And then John McGann just kind of ditched it. And look, I get how the NFL works now. It's you take a, a three score lead, and all of a sudden you go to prevent defense. You, you don't go to zero coverage anymore. You kind of, uh, I I I don't want to say. I, I guess I'll say it hit the brake pedal a bit, and I think that's what they did. And but still, I want to see them. When you take a three-score lead, go after the quarterback because that's your time to do it. The best teams in the league yesterday, Pete, the Los Angeles Chargers, for example, they got after the quarterback all day long. Same with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs even did it. I just don't know why John Fagan refuses to blitz. I, I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Mean, Let, let's let's look at Gannon in the defense. and, and just, Right. You know, let's just stay on that. Is he refusing to blitz? Is he not reading the room? I mean, um, is ultimately he going to be what holds this team back? I, I mean, if we're going by week one overreactions, then yes. I mean, he has to correct stuff. You know what the biggest uh, atrocity is? And again, I would love to know more on this. Why did Marlon, um, I can never pronounce his last name, Mike, uh, the defensive tackle. Yeah, um, to Poltzl. To, to, right, me neither. Marlon. We'll just call him Marlon T. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. I need it written in front of me. I need it written in front of me, like, you know. Yeah. Why did their fifth string defensive tackle play more than Jordan Davis yesterday? Yeah. That, that's what I wanted. When Jordan Davis was in there, I think the Eagles only gave up like 1.8 yards per carry. When he wasn't in there, it was over 10. Jordan Davis made a difference yesterday. I, I kind of think he's not in shape yet or not in that football shape. And I think that's a combination of his weight. I think that's a combination of the Eagles not practicing like they should. But it wasn't just Jordan Davis. That whole defense just looked gassed at the end of the game. Yeah, I, and that narrative came out a lot. You know, uh, ESPN had a stat where that Davis had a run-stop win rate of 69.2% against the Lions. The next closest, Cox and Hargrave, were at 33. Somebody else tweeted, why do you trade up for a 6'6", 340-pound behemoth in the first round, but then you don't emphasize five-man fronts on obvious rundowns? I mean, that's probably one of the big things we're scratching our head at today, and you're right. Maybe conditioning has something to do with it, but maybe it also is the defensive coordinator and, and and what's he thinking? Maybe it's the 17-game season. The Eagles want these guys healthy in November and December, and they're playing them too much in September and October. It's going to come back. and but Who knows? Maybe that's why we had the rotation we did. I mean, the Kobe Dean, that didn't surprise me. He only played three defensive snaps yesterday because he was on the second team throughout camp, and I, I know he looked good in the first preseason game, but it seemed like he had a lot to learn. And I, I don't want to blame T.J. Edwards here because I thought T.J. Edwards played solid yesterday. I didn't think he was great. Well, I was going to say, if Detroit had their way on the ground yesterday, generally you would say, all right, well, how did the linebackers play in a game where they ran all over? Was that the linebackers, were they an issue as to why Detroit had their way on the ground? I think the missed tackles were obviously the factor. So the Eagles were second in the NFL in missed tackles in week one. It was 16. Carolina had 18. All the teams that gave up 15 lost. 
the Eagles did it. So, and I think it was because the Eagles made the turnover that they needed to make. And so I can't get on the defense fully. I do, I do agree with Pete though. I think we need to see more sacks. We got the turnover that we need, but I, I think honestly, it's more of this defense. It might take some time to gel. It makes, it may take time. And yeah, I don't even, I would say even if like, okay, everybody loves the sack number. They weren't getting any pressure. They weren't even getting near. Goff was having all the time. One early, and that was it. Yeah. Yep. Ten ten total pressures on the day. That was, I think it was in the 20s out of the 32 teams. So, yeah, that needs to improve. Don't like the way they used Reddick yesterday at all. No. Uh, He made, what, one play, and I forgot he was on the field. Right, and the play that he made was in the run game. I mean, he had a tackle. He looked like he was playing defense. And you're like, no, that's not what I signed you for. I don't want you tackling a running back. I want you getting after the quarterback. You saw him more in coverage than you did in the backfield. Did we talk about this at all on any of our appearances, Mike, how Jonathan Gannon said he wants to drop Hassan Riley back in coverage? I'm like, what are you doing? No, that's not why you signed him. (laughs) Well, he did it yesterday. He had Sweat and Reddick back in coverage there. Overall, though, I thought Epps played well. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson Gar- uh, made an uh, impact in the game. Bradbury obviously had the right. touchdown. Even if Merrill called him Blackburn, I knew who he was talking about. <laughs> Bradbury. Um, so they, they their, their secondary definitely was an upgrade. Um, on the offensive side, you know, everybody talking about, well, they didn't give anybody any touches other than Brown. I didn't have a big problem with that. Uh, that's yeah. what Detroit gave him. Yeah, I was the same way, Mike. And, you know, I said on Good Morning NFC East today, I said after you left, too. If you have a problem with good receivers getting the football, I can't help you. I I just can't. Like, Justin Jefferson got a high volume yesterday. Devonta uh, Adams got a high volume yesterday. So does A.J. Brown. That's who you feed. Do do you think the Raiders wanted to give Hunter Renfro the ball yesterday? Absolutely. But Devonta Adams was was the reason they got back in that game. Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson was the reason the Vikings won. Uh, let's go to Washington. Give me a thought on Washington. You had Wentz with four touchdowns over 300 yards. He had the two picks, uh, but it looks like Washington's got a pulse on offense. It's like every day on the Mike Gill Show, you just don't know what you're expecting, right? <laughs> <laughs> every day on the sports pass, you just don't know what's coming. And that's Carson Wentz. You know, he looked great on a couple touchdown throws. Uh, Jahan Dotson's going to make his life so much easier. That throw to Terry McLaurin, he had was brilliant. But then you're trying to throw across your body to, for, a, what, a three-yard pass, and Trayvon Walker just picks it off, and that's the reason why you're trailing? It's it's the same old, same old with Carson Wentz, although I will say this. they That commander's team is scary on offense. Uh, when Wentz is on, they are going to be very, very tough to beat. And, Jeff, the one that killed me and uh, Ryan in our survivor pool, I picked uh, the Giants to lose to the Titans. And, uh, my God, the Giants won. I cannot uh, believe it. So, so I got to tell that I told Mike the story of this. I do that um, uh, that super contest thing. I picked against the Giants on your show Friday and on Good Morning NC East. And what did I do Saturday when I was up at Penn State? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Giants. I, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pick the Giants. I'm going to pick them with the points. And boy, did I cash in on that. <laughs> well, I thought the Giants – I just don't like Tennessee all that much. I, I think Tennessee is has the feeling of one of those teams that was up, went up, hit their peak, and is now on the way down. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and I, I think that was a trendy upset. Like, am I shocked the Giants beat them? Yes, but – they played well yesterday, especially in the second half. And yeah, you're right. First half, they were ugly. Yeah, yeah, first half, they were bad. And I thought, okay, maybe Tennessee's going to win. I thought Tennessee would win by a touchdown, honestly. But All right, it, it's just, 
on a scale of one to ten, uh, how concerned would you be with Dallas getting staying in this race? Um, with Cooper Rush and Will Greer, who weren't technically on their roster last week, uh, their active roster, two. So they're done. I think they're done. When I Dak really Prescott gets back, will will Dallas be within realistic striking distance? Unless the Eagles and Commanders are four and four when he comes back, they're done. And I I think one of them will be at least five and three. All right. Jeff Kerr, good morning, NFC East, 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. You can check him out every day at 7 a.m. And he'll be back here on Wednesday as we start to turn the page towards the Minnesota Vikings will be here on Monday Night Football in Philadelphia. All right, Jeff Kerr, we'll talk to you, man. Next Monday, I'll be at the link. I'm, I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a fun night. Absolutely. And that uh, Vikings team was my upset, uh, not my upset, my best bet of the week. Nailed that one, Peter. Yeah, you did. Uh, good job by you. I will also be at the Vikings game, by the way. It's about time I let that news out of the bag. All right. More Sports Bash coming up. Jeff Kerr's appearance brought to you by BMW of Atlantic City, closer than you think. Shop their entire new inventory and take advantage of exceptional offers online anytime at BMWAtlanticCity.com. That's next Monday right here. This Monday, it's Denver and Seattle. Got to play, PT? Yeah, Denver, big time, because Casey Joyner told me. I listen to our experts. Some people think you're an expert, PT. I'm an expert at eating and drinking. And right. shaking hands and kissing babies. Sweet. I'm very good at that. We will close out tonight's show on the other side. And uh, don't forget, get the app. Get the app. Get the app. we got great prizes this week. 97.3 ESPN.com slash app. More Sports Bash. Closing it out next. Now, back to more on 97.3 ESPN. South Jersey's sports leader. Hey, maybe you haven't heard that you can travel on American Airlines from Atlantic City International Airport. American Airlines and ACY are your gateway to the world, and ACY is now your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. You can go see your favorite team's away games now and leave right from ACY. That's right. You can save time and money, avoid fees and the hassle of parking at the big city airport when you start your next vacation on American Airlines from ACY, excitement is just one stop away on American Airlines from ACY. Book today at AA.com. Mike and Pete getting ready to wrap up the show. Uh, Jason Kelsey, by the way, extended his streak of consecutive game start at 123. He had a nice uh, block in that game, although uh, a couple missed blocks in the game. I thought the line was... Uh, they were finding their footing at first, and that's an issue. I mean, you thought that, like, hey, they're going to be consistent. They know each other. Everything's great. Man. I didn't see the you know? grades yet for um, the offensive line, but I thought Dickerson struggled a bit yesterday. I would agree with that. But uh, congratulations to Jason Kelsey for extending his streak. I wrote down a couple things on my pad here. I wrote down earlier when you said the concern, is it legitimate or is it frivolous? Well, have you answered your question after the show today? And now that we've uh, got four hours basically in the books? Uh, my concern level, I said, was a two, so it would probably be frivolous. Mine was a four, so I would put that more toward the frivolous as well. I'm glad to hear that, Peter. Okay. And then the other thing I wrote down, which you kept uh, going back to again and again, was what was the biggest story in the NFC East outside of Dak's injury? And have you identified one for that? For your I would say it would be... Brian Dayball 
Did you see the front page of the one of the New York papers? No, what's it say? Brian. Uh, <laughs> big day balls. Oh, that's, <laughs> I like that. That's right. Um, ACDC likes that somewhere. <laughs> I thought that's him, the decision they made to go to for go two, for two yeah, that's and his answer yeah. afterwards. Yeah, His really answer good. afterwards was, you know, hey, did you think? He goes, no, that you, you got to take chances. Now, remember, we, there was once a coach in Philadelphia that said, why? Because we're from Philly and we fight. And we jumped all over that. And that guy proved it turned out that the emperor had no clothes. So one game, but yes, I would agree no, with No, but you I that, think the you know. mindset, look, Chip Kelly was going for two at any time of the game. He went for two to win the game yesterday. That's a different thing. Yeah. He had a choice to okay. tie this game up where I could try to win it. It's my first game here. We haven't won games. This team has struggled. We don't have a lot of expectations. Let's try to win this damn thing. So the biggest story for me was Brian Dable's debut kind of setting the culture for the Giants. And I hate to say that. Yeah, well, you know. Got to call them like they are, though, PT. Right, knocked uh, me out of the survivor pool. We got to figure out the rules of how we can buy Yeah, well, you know, Josh gets a dinner. He wants to go to sushi. Okay, they got a sushi place here. Doesn't have to be here, but it would be nice. By a name that I forgot, but, you know. Doesn't have to be. Josh can pick wherever he wants. I'm not going to force him to come to Ocean if he doesn't want to. He wants it. Trust me, after this weekend, I've now learned that Josh is like a flower. He wants to come out and get some sunshine. He wants to get out in the public, you know. We, we keep him locked up in that studio too much. we got to bring him out. Expose him to the public. He well, wants that, to come here. That didn't come out quite right. Uh, let, let the people see him. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been compared to a flower before, but thanks, Pete. You're welcome, Josh. Just a little watering. That's all you need. I just wasn't saying we're not limiting him to one choice. He can pick wherever he wants. That's all. Okay. That's all. All right, Peter, that's it. You got right. anything else uh, on that pad right there? No, that was, that's it. Oh, overhang player. I had never heard overhang player before. Oh, that's a outside linebacker. Okay, well, it's cool. I mean, I, I'll learn something new every day. All right. So there you go. That's our show. Thanks to Ocean, as always. Um, we'll be back here Monday, right here at the Gallery Bar Book and Games. Come on out tonight for Monday Night Football. They had a huge crowd here for the NFL college game Saturday. Make an appointment to get out here. Next Monday, it's Eagles-Vikings. Come out and see us right here at the Gallery Bar Booking Games. Have a great Monday, everybody.